The year is 2096. Earth is on the brink of losing its most precious resource, life itself. Somewhere deep in space, a search for answers is underway. On a lone ship, on its way to a stray planet, a unit of mercenaries, marines, are tasked with finding evidence of alien life. Life that might hold the key to salvation. But what they find might be more than they bargained for. <laughs> as, they, as they struggle for their lives against an unknown alien species aboard a quarantined ship, science can either save them or destroy them. Then the whooshing of a meteorite as the title comes up. Leprechaun 4 in space. Echo effect. He comes from the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where he learned his thing. From the Emerald Isle to the space up above, he's an alien of green. Well, sort of. Leppin Space is going to leave no trace. Leppin Space is going to leave no trace. Guns with scopes and sabers are light. There's a princess that is just his type. He hates to resort to so soon to magic, but he hasn't been laid in so long it's tragic. He's so bad it's good. He's good. <laughs> Welcome to a very, very, very special episode of Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement, <laughs> whose contract expires at midnight. I am your host, Landon. What the hell's going on in there? Solano... <laughs> Joined always by my co-host, Truman. I'm the one who gave him a boner and all. Caps. God damn it. <laughs> Landon, here's the problem, is that I never really know what I'm going to say after the intro. And in this one, I was thinking, okay, whatever nickname he gives me, I can say I'd rather have been I'm the one who gave him a boner and all. But then you beat me to it. Oh. <laughs> uh, I wanted to set the tone real quick for this episode. The toner? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, this this is uh, we're covering Leprechaun Four in space. If you didn't get that from my my echo we, effect in the title, we we are taking we are taking the movie Leprechaun Four and we are covering it with space, fully immersing it <laughs> like some kind of delicacy. Uh, Truman, this is a minor dream come true for me. <laughs> I, it seems. I, before it seems like a major dream come true. Based on the texts I've been receiving and the Twitter activity, <laughs> this seems like the. This seems like you can like go out on a funeral pyre after this and be set aflame. I uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I knowing going into this podcast from season one, episode one, us discussing. Well, maybe we can do their movies too. Uh, you know, in between the seasons, and in the back of my mind, going Debbie Dunnies and and. Leprechaun 4 in space. Debbie Dunning is in Leprechaun 4 in space. <laughs> Was the whole... So that has been in my mind since before we recorded the first episode of this ep- of this podcast. So the whole podcast, this is one long game uh, House Atreides style ploy to yes. you know, plans within plans, trying to orchestrate a situation in which we watch Leprechaun 4 together. Oh, and uh, okay, listen, to be fair, I put it out into the world. I asked our listeners on Twitter whether or not they wanted us to do this. You know, I 
understand Leprechaun 4 in space is notorious for yes. being bad, for being a bad horror movie, for being a bad comedy, uh, for sparking a discussion on film Twitter uh, in the last month about can horror films be set in space? Uh, to which I say there's a little movie called Jason X that you need to watch, but we're not here to talk about Jason yeah. X because I'll be on another two hour rant about that if we do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we've got to focus very closely on only one supernatural murderous being <laughs> in space. So I put the poll out, and uh, we got the results in. And I, listen, this was a sweat-inducing poll for at least the first four days. I was like, <laughs> oh, people don't want us to cover this. <laughs> people are not interested in Leprechaun 4 in space. You know, uh, this is this is why this is why the electoral <laughs> college was developed is to save us from the tyranny of the majority, the unwashed masses <laughs> who don't know what's good for them. In this case, discussion of Leprechaun Four in space. Yeah. So I set the the four options that you could choose from as yes, of course, you idiot, a- a- asking, do you want us to cover Leprechaun yes. Four in space? Uh, yes. The first being yes, of course, you idiot. Yes, duh. Yes, no doy. And no, get back to season six. And the results were, uh, the final results were, 44% said, yes, of course, you idiot. 11% said, yes, duh. 16% said, yes, no doy. And 27.8% said, no, get back to season six. Um, wow. So, so you're saying people who listen to the Home Improvement podcast would prefer it if we focused a little <laughs> more stringently on the TV series Home Improvement? <laughs> But if they want us to do that, baby, we got to take a little mind break. And that's you, that's that's what <laughs> Evercon 4 is for listen, me. Listen, you guys want us on the top of our game. Like, if we're in there looking at Tim doing stuff, but we haven't, you know, liberated our minds, we haven't kept ourselves nimble by looking at a leprechaun doing <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I, I mean, it's, it. you know, it, like, if, if we don't have... Like, doing commentary on family hijinks in the Midwest, fine, but we occasionally need to train our brains <laughs> by doing commentary on a horny leprechaun murdering people in space. I rest my uh, case. Indeed, yes. Uh, I'm so glad you feel that way, Truman. Uh, you are making your co-host uh, an incredibly happy podcaster. Um, I want to get well, your personal reflections, together. because yes. to my understanding, you've never seen a leprechaun movie before. I no, I have not. Okay. Uh, well, let me let me give out some tech specs first. Um, okay. And then let's go into our personal reflections because I am mostly interested in your experience with this movie. Uh, yes. And then I'll just fill in the blanks where I can because if your question is, have you seen all nine Leprechaun movies? My answer is yes, of course. What are you crazy? And and my response to that is not to be even remotely surprised. Uh, <laughs> I, that makes sense. I could have told you that. I could have told you that anytime. I could have told you that before I met you. I am here to answer your Leprechaun mythology questions, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's go into t- <clears throat> some tech specs. Leprechaun 4 in space was released direct to video, if you can believe that. I can, on, in fact. On February 25th, 1997, directed by one... Mr. Brian Trechard Smith. Uh, that's a that's a really really upsetting hyphen in there. That's a very that's a frighteningly British name, and the hyphen takes it into uncharted levels of Britishness. Uh, 
Okay, you 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 heard the the long breath I was about to or that I did take to go launch into this, uh, and I thank you for being my trampoline to jump off into this land of uh, BTS as I call them, uh, BTS history. Mm-hmm. Brian mm-hmm. Trenchard Smith is from the UK, but he is mostly known as an exploitation director. That is uh. Uh, uh, Australian exploitation films. He. Um, Man, where to start? Let's start with Quentin Tarantino. What? Let's start with Quentin Tarantino. Oh, my God. He is one of Tarantino's favorite directors. He did this amazing movie that is basically Mad Max meets the Exterminating Angel set in a drive-in called Dead End Drive, uh, or Dead End Drive-In. And... This is one of Tarantino's favorite movies. He has taken so much from it. He also, uh, Brian Treachard Smith also did a movie called Night of the Demons 2. Uh, oh. Amazing uh, sequel to Night of the Demons, if you can make that connection in your head. I, 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 I figured it was part of the Night of the Demons saga, yes. <laughs> uh, if you took <clears throat> Dead End Drive-In and Night of the Demons 2 and put them together... In a Mexican flavored tavern, you would have mm. from dusk till dawn, and and, and uh, also probably a pretty good uh, pretty good model for a fast casual Mexican restaurant too. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's one that I'd want to eat at though. Uh, I, I, they I they mean, shut the doors and you cannot get back out. It's it would be like it would be an immersive tourist experience in like <laughs> Times Square or something like that. You'd pay forty bucks for it. It's like sleep no more plus vampires. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Truman. Uh, plus tater tots. Yes, go on. Ask I me. need you to place your hand on my chest and hold me back from going into my Tarantino rant. Because uh, I, I will, I will phys- I will punch you through the phone if you if you rant about Quentin Tarantino anymore on this podcast. We are we are getting complaints. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All I want to say is go watch Dead End Driving and Night of the Demons two back to back, and you're going to go. Oh, I get what Landon's beef is. Um, okay, Brian Treachard Smith. He is also, uh, he's done a lot of exploitation films. Um, I'm thinking he did a, uh, uh, what's the, a Tet Offensive um, in the Viet Cong. Uh, mm-hmm. He did a, a movie starring Arlie Emery uh, and Wings Hauser called The Siege wow. of Firebase Gloria. I only mention that because it's going to come into play a little bit later when we talk about the cast of this movie. Uh, he did BMX Bandits. That is, oh, yes, of BMX course, Bandits. one of Nicole Kidman's first movies. <laughs> wow, BMX Bandits was way better than this movie. And I didn't think <laughs> BMX Bandits was very good. So, the, okay, this movie, Leprechaun 4, and I should mention he also did Leprechaun 3, uh, are not indicative of his qualities as a director. Uh, he was known for getting a lot of mileage out of a very little budget and mm-hmm. a very quick run, uh, uh, film time. They shot Leprechaun 2 in space, I think, in 16 days, if memory serves me. It might have been 12. Wow. I, I have wow. numbered dyslexia. So it was fast. An eventful uh, couple of weeks for <laughs> Debbie had, Dunning at all. They had a $1.6 uh, million dollar budget, so an 80 thousand dollars of that only eighty thousand dollars was dedicated to special effects so that's going to answer some of your questions (laughs) i mean 
I mean, really, my main question is, why were they showing a screensaver at certain points of the movie? <laughs> uh, but that, that, now that makes more sense. Uh, uh, okay, I, lastly about about this director, uh, and then I'll, I'll wrap up and we'll we'll go into some questions here. Um, he is also known for uh, maybe not inventing, but it definitely uh, ushering in the uh, stunts exploitation movie, um, where it's basically just doing movies with stuntmen as the main characters. Uh, he did a movie called Death Cheaters and then Stunt Rock. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, they aren't stunt- good. <laughs> So st- stunt rock. It's like what I I uh, stunt man becomes a rock star. Am I am I just stabbing in the dark and guessing what this movie is? You're stabbing in the dark and maybe not hitting an artery, but you're definitely getting flesh. Uh, yeah. A a stunt man um, helps an upcoming rock uh, uh, fantasy themed rock band on their uh, uh, dangerous stunt. Uh, uh, what am I saying? Uh, uh, music show. God, why oh. can't I think of what of a ter- what what term? Can I use for music show is what I came you, up with. You haven't been, look, Liz, it's been a long pandemic. We haven't it been has. to live events in a while. I haven't seen Concert. a music show Good in some time either. God. You still didn't know what it was. Oh, man, I thought you just weren't saying it because you uh, because you were ashamed. You actually still didn't even know. <laughs> I Listen, I've watched Leprechaun 4 maybe four times for this episode today. Jesus so Christ. So my, my brain cells are dead. Let's just put it that way. Uh, last movie I want to mention of yours. Chunks of your brain are floating around giving <laughs> you the finger like at the end of this movie. Yes. Last movie of his I want to mention, even though I could go very deep into his thing, is a movie called Turkey Shoot. It's one of the best exploitation movies uh, about a dystopian society where it's like the most dangerous game, um, but it stars uh, laser blasters and um, a Frankenstein-ish Bigfoot character. It's very strange and uh, also stars Olivia Hussey of the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> so well, I... Okay, that's um oh so okay another uh, a little bit of that rarefied British vibe of his name. I think maybe she just <laughs> saw oh Brian Trenchard Smith is directing this. I dare say I might make my foray into the silver screen and then winds up in an exploitation film. Uh this movie was written, I'm not going to go too deep into this guy, uh by an actor writer by the name of Dennis A Pratt. Um and it's based on the characters of yeah, the guy who created the Leprechaun series, Mr. Mark Jones. When now, you said when you said it's based on, I thought for a brief second that there's a book out there that this is based on. <laughs> I, based, I have on to... based on uh, based on Upton Sinclair's <laughs> Leprechaun Four in Space. I have to earmark Mark Jones for a moment because he plays a very important role in the course of the world. Yes, in. The very first Leprechaun, he wrote and directed it and was adamant against producers' uh, suggestions to cast a young upcoming actress by the name of Jennifer Aniston. Really? He, he, <laughs> he, was, he was a no on Aniston. Mark Jones was a yes. The producers were a no. So Mark oh. Jones is responsible for getting her one of her first film performances, and it helped open doors to get her onto Friends. Oh now, my God! I mentioned that because Leprechaun Two came out, and Jennifer Aniston was asked to reprise her role. She said, "Yeah, I got something else going on nowadays." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and had she reprised her role, we might have only just seen a Leprechaun 1 and 2. But they had to get creative and take the Leprechaun out of the North Dakota uh, environment in which the first one takes place and send him globetrotting. So the second one <laughs> takes place in Hollywood. The third one takes place in Las Vegas. The fourth one naturally takes place in space. <laughs> so and if Jennifer Aniston hadn't, hadn't said no, we wouldn't have nine Leprechaun movies. <laughs> so if, if Jennifer Aniston had made a terrible career choice, <laughs> then she would not probably be a superstar and... We would not, we like, we would, the world would be missing Leprechaun 4. We wouldn't know yes. about Semperfy, Do or Die, Kill, Kill, Kill. <laughs> and Leprechaun Back to the Hood, and Leprechaun, uh, or Leprechaun in the, in hood, the hood, and then and Leprechaun Back to the Hood, back to, to Da Hood, uh, as I, it's I, physically written. I, I love that, I love that. Of all the places that the Leprechaun has been, only Da <laughs> Hood was, uh, I guess, promising enough of a locale that they felt that they needed two films to thoroughly explore <laughs> its potential. The, va- the vastness yeah. of space, only one movie. The Hood, though, <laughs> I'm sorry, Da Hood, you gotta have two movies to fully get through all of the Leprechaun's uh, urban shenanigans. Here's the other footnote about Mark Jones. Uh, he was involved. He did the first one. He was involved in the second one. Then the Leprechaun series was taken over by Trimark, uh, eventually Lionsgate, and Mark Jones was left uh, um, without a Leprechaun in his life. So what does he do? What do you? What does one do when your Leprechaun has been taken away from you? I I, I suppose faith in Begora lass. Yeah, have a pint of Guinness and go kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> You create another character that should be its own franchise, but unfortunately doesn't go there, called Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> did he just did he just open up the Wikipedia of like public domain folk characters who are kind of <laughs> creepy and he's just working his way down? Uh, Next up is the old be. lady who lived in a shoe. She like takes people back to the shoe and murders them. <laughs> That I'm surprised that hasn't been made. To be perfectly honest with you, um, the old lady who kills in a shoe, Rumpelstiltskin. If you're asking Landon, have you seen Rumpelstiltskin? Of course, I've seen Rumpelstiltskin. Um, yeah, no surprises here. It's played by Max Grodenchik, uh, and if you're not familiar with him, uh, he is on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, uh, playing Rom, which is one Rom. of the main characters. Uh, He's the the cousin or brother to uh, the main um, uh, uh, Quark. Uh, what's his name's Quark? I can't remember the alien species that they are at the moment. But um, and and I've not Ferengi. watched Deep Space Nine. So oh Ferengi. Oh the well yeah. Ferengi. They were on Enterprise. That much I know. The there Ferengi suck. Okay. They're 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 pretty bad. Uh, good luck editing that to make it sound like my memory works perfectly. <laughs> it, it, these little challenges keep me sharp, though. They make they make me better. Much in the same way that recapping Leprechaun 4 in space makes us better home improvement podcasters. So, too, uh, just make yes. me a better editor. Okay, sir, I've gone through... I have more history to go into about the cast and crew of this movie, but I'm going to do it in the deep dive. I want to know your experience... Your first experience with a Leprechaun movie, and it being Leprechaun 4 in space, what was that like for you? You know, Landon, I thought that this movie was... Okay. How did you feel... What were your perceptions before you hit play? 
And then my, how did they change after you hit play? My perceptions before I hit play was that this movie was going to be a lot worse than it was. And I okay. thought that it was also going to be a lot pornier than it was. And Was that porny with a P or corny with a C? Porny with a P. I mean, okay. it's definitely corny, but the movie's called <laughs> Leprechaun 4 in Space. <laughs> like, I, I think that the, the, the title does a great job. It, it's a perfect title for two reasons. One, it does, it delivers exactly what it promises. <laughs> yes. The, the Leprechaun is in space and there have been three other movies. You get that. That's, that's very clear. And uh-huh. then a, ti- a title like that, I didn't have high expectations going in. And, in fact, the incredibly low rating on Rotten Tomatoes and everything had me, as someone who watches a lot of bad movies, thinking, okay, this is going to hurt me. And (laughs) then I watched the movie, and, like, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, if you were to put this movie up against, like, Network or Boogie Nights (laughs) or Chinatown or something, it wouldn't fare very well. But this is a lot better than a lot of bad movies. And (laughs) this movie is, like... For a movie that is a lot of, like, going for high camp and trying to be dumb and trying to be stupid, I was surprised by how often I was kind of like, okay, movie, I'm actually going with this. You're, like, obviously <laughs> this movie sucks, but it sucks in kind of a good way, and I kind of respect it. sucks the- in all the best ways, yeah. I, 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 would, I would compare it, in a sense, to the movie Time Chasers on Mystery Science Theater, <laughs> Uh, because the movie Time Cha- I think the movie Time Chasers is a bad movie, but it's the best, like, it's a very, like, com- the people who made this bad movie clearly did a whole lot of clever stuff with the very low budget that they had. The Time Chasers people took their movie a little more seriously than the Leprechaun 4 in Space people. But a lot of the time watching it, I was like, these are professionals. These are professionals making this shitty movie. <laughs> this isn't some crap student film or the... I feel like so many of the really legendary bad movies now things like uh things like the room or fateful findings mm-hmm. or uh you know those sorts of movies they tend to be the product of an eccentric quite possibly psychotic uh rich man who has made a small <laughs> yes. fortune in some kind of shady business or real estate and is just yeah. doing if not the psychotic then definitely narcissistic yeah yeah it's it there's a lot of pathologies on display yeah. and and it's someone who has no idea what he's doing, but is absolutely certain that he's right, and it is always he. And so <laughs> to watch a bad movie like this, where, oh, no, this this is a professional director made this bad movie, and they didn't have a lot of money, and it's it sucks, but it sucks in a much <laughs> just more competent way that I'm used to bad movies sucking. And I found yeah. that charming. It was like It's like watching, I don't know, it's the equivalent of like watching a B-cowboy movie from the 50s, where it's like... <laughs> Oh, this is badly made, but by people who are like, this is a bad movie competently made by yeah. by people who know what they're doing, but they just showed up for the weekend. That- it's, it's, it's a rare director that you find these days, definitely these days, and certainly in 1996 when this was uh, filmed, that is a journeyman who is competent at his job uh, and doesn't have the pride or scruples to go... I'm above Leprechaun 4 in space. Yes. <laughs> to find someone to go, what's the title of the movie? Leprechaun 4 in space? I can do something with that. 
I did Leprechaun 3. Shouldn't be too hard. I'm already familiar with the rich backstory of the character. I, I will I will also say, looking at Brian Trenchard Smith's Wikipedia page, that after directing Night of the Demons 2, then Leprechaun 3, then Leprechaun 4, in 2003, he was for some reason hired to direct DC 9-11 Time of Crisis, which reenacts the events of September 11th attacks as seen from yep. the perspective of George W. Bush, played by Timothy Bottoms of The Last Picture Show. So, so... And then... Th- this, Less than ten years later, doing Aztec Rex, which I have, uh, which I do not know what that is, but it <laughs> it's a it's a fantasy film, fantasy disaster film in which uh, it imagines what would it have been like if T Rexes roamed the world during the Aztecs. Wow, that's a very specific kind of nerd question. Like, like you're, th- it's like the, it's like the kid on the playground who only wants to talk about dinosaurs, and the slightly older kid who only wants to talk about violent ancient civilizations. Okay, I'm sorry. I, my apologies to the Aztecs. I didn't mean to merely categorize them as violent. They were a very advanced civilization in in many other regards. Uh, I only want to talk about ancient civilizations. I only want to talk about dinosaurs. What are we going to talk about together? <laughs> Leprechaun 4 in space. Wow. Okay, oh. I'm not going to lie. Your your experience with it has filled me with joy, and I kind of wish we were on screen so you could see the massive smile that's reaching from ear to ear. Uh, oh, Landon. I, you know, when, when you love bad movies and horror movies as much as I do, and you invite someone into that world... It's always a little tricky. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It takes a special a, type of friend. There's a lot of caveats that a person must endure to go, okay, I, I see what, you know, the marketing executives were going for in, uh, you know, demanding there be nudity in this and, you know, the the tropey script that is definitely, you know, misogynistic, but, you know, it's... You know, not like it's giving the male leads any intelligent or agency of their own either. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's not going out of its way to be horrible, yeah. So uh, the fact that you responded well to it, uh, I don't know, makes me happy. So... Hurrah! Well, I'm well. Well, you know what would make me happy, Landon? Hurrah, indeed! You're you're already getting into your space marine <laughs> spirit. I see. I am. Well, I am. Do, do you want to? Do you want to just like? Do you just want to dive into this thing? I do. I do so much. Let's put on our suits and get in the uh, our, decontamination our... chamber so that we can oh, uh, we can take the shuttle out to the ship. Okay. I just I just hope that I don't turn into a bloody skeleton in a suit. Um, <laughs> can I? Can I, can I wait? I can't wait. I'm literally double fisting the air right now. When I, ooh, you, you in the air are getting very serious. Uh, happy Pride Month, I guess. Okay, so let me just start right here. Let me just, like the. I started this movie up not knowing what I was getting into. Yeah, I I love pressing play on Amazon Prime on Leprechaun Four in Space, and the first thing I hear is. And the beautiful Lionsgate opening like like studio logo with thousands of beautifully rendered CGI gears like you know something good's coming billion dollar company or whatever like we we produce films films we are lions gate and then goes from that to shitty direct dvd credits oh man it's it's just it's just really good i um that that really sets you up knowing that this is in the Lionsgate library 
Yes. Um, uh, okay, so it starts with a meteor floating through space uh, with the you a know, lot. basic font <laughs> credits that you can get. It came and with Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> let me just just get this out right out the gate about the special effects in this movie. As I mentioned, they had eighty thousand uh, <laughs> dollars dedicated to that. That includes labor as well as you know rental, you know software rental, studio rental, whatever you need to render all this stuff. Rendering time, eighty thousand dollars goes d- nowhere. Now- <laughs> does the eighty thousand dollars does that include the practical effects as well as the no. okay? So no, this just is the spaceships. We're looking at eighty thousand dollars worth of spaceships uh, and asteroids. Yes. Okay, um, I'm gonna say even though it's 1996, and even though that's clearly a low budget, holy shit! <laughs> that <laughs> I guess CGI was way more expensive back then than I thought it, it was. was. And so what they did, they they couldn't render it. They couldn't afford to render it in HD. So what mm. they did, because it was going to be a direct-to-video release, is they rendered it in video quality. So mm. all of the special effects through the whole movie, including the optical effects that uh, we'll, we'll get to, because I don't want to ruin the surprise for those. <laughs> um, no, they're no all, the optical effect. They're all done in video quality. So whenever a special effect is happening, outside of it being a practical effect, it looks, you know, even though it's an HG, HD transfer now, so the film grain and you know it looks like a, a pretty crisp picture. As soon as it gets to a special effect like this floating meteor that spins us by um, the transport shuttle, uh, that looks like a screensaver. <laughs> that's why it was it was rendered for video directly. I there there I have seen um, uh, quote unquote special effects moments on Mystery Science Theater episodes that were you know a a. Midwestern prop comic made a spaceship out of garbage and dangled it in front of a camera in a public access studio that look more convincing than, uh, yeah, than these CG spaceships. And it's easy yeah. to bag. It's easy to bag on low budget late '90s stuff for having bad CGI. But given how sophisticated some other parts of this movie are, it's really amusing. <laughs> okay, special effects out of the way. Let's get to the story of this thing. We yes, the see the transport story. We see the transport shuttle taking uh, what we'll learn to be our crew to a red planet. Uh, yes. And we cut to the inside of the shuttle. We pan up the nozzle of a BFG. I, I have to imagine it was a BFG uh, because it, while it's never stated, it's you know unofficial. But here's the first trivia for this movie. All of the door sound effects are from the video game Doom. <laughs> and so, And... And for and for those of you at home who had friends growing up, the BFG nine thousand is a gun in the popular nineties science fiction shooter game Doom. Uh, okay, so so I have to imagine it's a it's an unofficial direct reference to that gun. Uh, there there were clearly there were clearly some Doom heads on. I mean, do you think which members of the cast do you think were having Doom land parties every night after they were shooting? <laughs> I think I don't books know. definitely. All, you think so? He seems a little too meat heady, or maybe I'm just reading the Stallone in him. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I mitten hand seems like too highbrow for that shit. Yes. But I think some of the younger dudes, some of the Marines, definitely were playing it. Uh, and speaking of the Marines, we are getting a wide um, spanning shot, uh, one take as the camera kind of roams around this small room as they are <laughs> prepping for a mission. They're locking and loading, oh. cocking their guns uh, in one long steady cam shot. 
yes, Paul Thomas Anderson ripped this off for the <laughs> opening shot of Boogie Nights. You, you know, the, the way the camera weaves throughout this space where all the characters are in their own worlds and we get this kind of introduction to them through their dialogue. A complete yeah. lift. Uh, um, but unlike Boogie Nights, where the camera is a character unto itself uh, roaming as it wants, uh, this is... Um, guided by one of the characters named Mooch, who yes. is aptly named because he's asking everyone for a cigarette, and that's how we get to yes. learn everybody. So Mooch, he asks Lucky uh, for a cigarette. No, you can't have one. He goes to Styx. Hey, uh, can I have a cigarette? Yeah. Can I have two? No, you cannot. The the, and this this already, watching this, I'm like, oh, wow, in this bad movie, they're making an effort at, like, the, this character, Mooch, has a thing, and it matches to his name. <laughs> and then he's introducing us to all these other characters, and we're getting their repartee. Like, they're already, like, the, the person who wrote this has written a few things before. They know how they're try, They're making an effort to actually establish the characters and give each of them a little bit of a voice, which... yeah. Uh, already I was like oh hello this is a pleasant surprise I have I mean it is a surprise I also have questions about well what is sticks and what is Danny uh and books certainly doesn't match but we'll get there uh, yes <laughs> Mooch moves on to uh Dolores who is played by Debbie Dunning she Woo! is uh <laughs> cocking her gun next to some grenades sticks turns to her and says hey um give me some of them eggs over easy <laughs> Just, you know, it, marine jargon. Yes, and and she gives him grenades, which has me then thinking like, well, wait, is this, are, is eggs over easy slang for grenades, or, or was he <laughs> making a sexual proposition to her and she just handed him grenades because she wasn't, like, going to dignify it with a response? Well, she does dignify it with somewhat of a response because then she asks the room, essentially, who's hungry? And uh, then tosses more grenades to other guys in the room, uh, like winging Danny. grenades around. <laughs> uh, he tosses, she tosses one to Danny, who then tosses it to Lucky, and thus we've met our crew. Yes, I I also want to point out Ari colon Debbie Dunning during the opening yeah. credits. Uh, Debbie Dunning, I counted, is the sixth build. Uh, uh, actor in this movie, uh, a yes. lot of people build ahead of her, and my note, my note was just Debbie Dunning is sixth build on this shit. This is hardly relevant to Home Improvement. Uh, this was <laughs> this was before I had fully fallen under the spell of the Leprechaun. Um, but yes, uh, let's, let's, now that we've been introduced to Debbie Dunning, yeah. worth mentioning. This is filmed in 1996. She had just uh, gotten married. And I think it was right before she had gotten pregnant um, that we saw on the show. So wow, uh, she had a, a small window here. <laughs> wait, wait. So, so how how do we know that she's not pregnant with a leprechaun baby on the show, <laughs> and we, or I guess and or with Books's baby? I guess we don't. Uh, except that the film is set in 2096, and uh, Home Improvement was set in 1996. So okay, fair. I again, I also <laughs> hundred year difference. I also I also like that she had been on this popular ABC series for a few years and was still like, yeah, I'll be in the Leprechaun movie where <laughs> I have a line about uh, feeling guilty for giving a guy a boner that causes a Leprechaun to burst out of his dick. <laughs> Let's not spoil the surprise, even more than we already have. Um, okay, uh, they're all prepping. They're all ready to go. The... Doom door slides open, and in walks the sergeant. Uh, he yes. is aptly named Metalhead. 
why is he aptly named Metalhead? Because because yep. he loves Metallica so much, <laughs> and half of his head is made of metal. Isn't it ironic? Ran on your wedding day. Yes, he's got this metal <laughs> dome covering half of his head. The first of many, remarkably. The first of some remarkably good makeup effects. There are also some remarkably not impressive makeup effects, yep. but this one is fairly well done. Uh, books draws everyone to attention. And Sergeant walks in saying, we are currently orbiting the planet of Ithacon. In a few minutes, we will board the shuttlecraft and proceed to the target area, Delta. Our mission is search and destroy. Repeat, search and destroy. We have been chasing this alien son of a bitch long enough. In the past six months, he has destroyed and disrupted the intergalactic mining operation to the tune of half a billion dollars. Word has come down from above. Kill the bastard. Now, what's our motto? Semper Fi, do or die. Kill, 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 kill. 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 <laughs> Um, uh, first off, that's how we should start every podcast to get our energy up on the high level that we need. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, I hear this thing about galactic mining operations and I foolishly assumed, oh, we'll probably learn some more about the mining operations later. No, not, not really. In fact, the leprechaun's been up like... I assumed, okay, he must, we'll learn about his beef with the mining company. No, no, that's a totally, di- I don't know what, what Metalhead is talking about. The Leprechaun is up to some completely different shit, as we will find out in like two minutes. The oh, mining yes. thing, forget about it. That's not an issue. <laughs> All right. We, since we were introduced to Metalhead, uh, I'm going to go into his cast thing real quick. Uh, this yes. is the actor, uh, Tim Colseri. He, okay. Remember earlier, earlier when I mentioned that, uh, Brian Trenchard Smith did a movie with Arlie Emery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned that. about about the Tet Offensive. Yes, yes. Tim Col- uh, Colseri was initially cast in Arlie Emery's role in um, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Thank you. What? <laughs> what? But Kubrick decided because uh, Arlie Emery was on that film as a consultant at the time, and then mm-hmm. Kubrick decided. Man, there's something more authentic than Arlie Emery. Let's just put Arlie Emery in that role. Moving oh, Tim Colseri to uh, the role of a door gunner later in the film. The one who's the one who's shooting and saying if they run their VC, if they don't run their VC. Yes. So uh, oh, Arlie man. Emery stole a role from Tim Colseri. <clears throat> and oh, that's so depressing, like, that you've been cast by acclaimed director Stanley Kubrick in what could be a career-making role. Oh, no, yep. he's replacing you for a guy with more authentic experience. That guy goes on to become one of the most iconic characters in any <laughs> war film ever. And then you wind up doing Leprechaun 4. <laughs> There's more. <gasps> Brian Tretchard Smith directs Arlie Emery um, in the Ted Offensive movie uh, in 1989, uh, seven years before this, and thinks, you know what? I'm doing another military marine movie. I need uh, I need an authentic actor for that. Let me reach out to Arlie Emery. And Arlie Emery is supposed to play the role of Metalhead. Wait, what? <laughs> and, what? Uh, for reasons, I don't know if he declined or if he his schedule isn't open or he dropped out. He couldn't do it. And therefore, I- Tim Colseri steps into the role of Arlie Emery. 
you're you're sitting here talking like, oh yeah, it could be schedule conflict or say yeah, like there, all these all these complicated reasons, like an extenuating outside factors for why an, an esteemed or somewhat respected actor with a reputation wouldn't want to appear in direct to video Leprechaun Four <laughs> uh, in space. Uh, <laughs> oh man, no, Arlie Emery was totally totally fired up to be in this movie, but he just had he had a schedule conflict. His daughter's birthday was that was the day that they were shooting all of his scenes uh he otherwise would have been totally jazzed to be in drag um yeah oh god we'll get there too Whew. okay so um back to the scene in the midst of their rising bloodlust from their sergeant uh, metalheads you know rousing speech um a young attractive blonde say the type that would make a great leading lady slash romantic interest slash final girl in a horror film enters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and, and metalhead wants to know what the fuck do you want and and now knowing that he is that this was written for arlie emery and that and that this actor knows it it makes sense now why he yells at everyone for most of the movie <laughs> like he is very much doing the sort of cursory yeah. top level what is the drill sergeant in full metal jacket like in the same way that a lot of guys came home from vietnam and never really left vietnam this guy yep. came home from his audition for the vietnam war movie and never really <laughs> left it like he's still having ptsd to not being the guy in full metal jacket he surprisingly is one of the few actors in this movie still working today so so he, he at least worked his way out of that ptsd <laughs> God bless. God bless. I actually, I, I like him in this movie quite a lot. He's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Okay, so, yes, she comes, comes in, in. Yes, and she explains that she is here to be doing, you know, studying and researching on this alien. I came here alien. to do science. <laughs> she is, she's, she's been assigned to the mission to collect samples of any alien life forms and report them back to Dr. Mittenhand. I, I so, you know, I, going into this, I you know being a huge enormous massive fan of the movie Aliens, which this mm-hmm. movie is very clearly yes doing. I, I I've been I was taking notes with regard to with an eye towards that, and I have uh, written down here she is doing the Ripley stuff plus the Carter <laughs> Burke stuff, like yes. in the sense that okay she's the one non Marine who the Marines are trying to adjust to, but unlike Ripley <laughs> who has a healthy fear and respect of the monster, she is trying to profit off of or study and learn from the monster. So they just mash together mm-hmm. the two opposing sides of the movie Aliens into one character. Uh, indeed. And yes. Metalhead's response to this is, Bullshit! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Metalhead, though. I mean, r- right away, right away, you know you know where uh, where Metalhead lays his cards. Uh, it's true. In fact, he's so incensed by this, he asks uh, Sticks to call up uh, Dr. Mittenhand um, <laughs> on the video feed. And an image of just Dr. Mittenhand's head appears. Uh, just and a, a bald, yeah. a bald man, just with bugged out eyes, yelling <laughs> directly into the camera. Which, all, which at first I was like, okay, th- you know what, Metalhead is pretty cool. And then I was like, no, Mittenhand is my guy because he's also got a Doctor Strange love <laughs> accent in yes. yet another uh, Kubrick connection to uh, <laughs> Leprechaun Four in space. Um, so I, this is, I'm, I'm just reporting second or third hand information here from someone who had seen the audio commentary. Surprisingly, I haven't heard the audio commentary by Brian Trenchard Smith here, but he, you, you've watched the movie four times. How have you not seen it with the commentary? I don't know. The, 
word on the street is, or the word in space is that he asked uh, uh, the guy playing Dr. Mittenhand um, by the name of Guy Siner um, to do a kind of uh, Mengele, uh, an evil Nazi scientist character. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we get. I mean, and that's also what Dr. Strangelove was, so it, it, yeah, it still fits. Exactly. Um, yeah, just, just, I, I don't know. I, I loved thinking at first I was thinking, wait, is, is this guy only going to be a face on a screen and the screen is on a cart? Because (laughs) that would actually be amazing if that's what the whole, that, that there's just some actor who spent one day yelling into a handy cam and that was his job on (laughs) Leprechaun 4 in space. Mittenhand says, uh, that the doctor who's there, uh, is the ship's biological professor and his personal assistant, and that the crew are there to protect her at all times. He says, Mm -hmm. they must follow orders that the woman is to be part of the mission. Metalhead, uh, naturally gets very pissy about this and assigns, books, you have the responsibility of prepping the doctor and making her safe. And, which then leads us to books... Very roughly manhandling her into a bulletproof vest, and in a way that is oh, this, yeah. Okay, so we're going to the shuttle. Before we yeah. go to the shuttle scene, and I, I realize we're slow jamming this really slow. Uh, yes. I just I want to make sure we have our bases set. So I want to do a little okay so moment here, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of understand where we are. We have a military crew that is being overseen by a scientific scientific research department. Mm-hmm. Who is out on a search and destroy mission for a pesky alien that they must kill, 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 but also bring be- back life form samples. Be- and and all of this because <laughs> it is messing with mining operations. And also, there's never really, like, as far as, as we know, having watched the movie... The, just these people all live on a spaceship together, I guess. Like, it's never really made clear how they met each other, what the relationship of the Marines to the doctors is, uh, like, how they yep. all got into this place. Uh, it's and it's it, it's brought up in a few scenes that they have a contract that runs out at midnight. So, yes. But it's never explained. Do they have a contract and- with the scientific department do they have a contract with the mining company do they have a contract uh who's paying who when i don't know i I, the who's in charge is very uh suspect here and also the the aspect they mentioned a few times contract it comes up at midnight but then that ticking clock never really becomes a thing like it it, like there's a ticking clock in this there is a ticking clock, but it's not as like a fair amount of this movie involves contract negotiations. Surprisingly, really, but it never <laughs> like it never really winds up. There, there never that doesn't play in in any way. There's a bunch yeah. of time spent talking about the Marines' contract and the fact that it will be up in a few hours, but then that point never seems to come. Like they just want to address <laughs> that. Oh well, we're we're actually independent contractors. We have to fill out a form 1099, and we you know we yeah. can deduct our space laser rifles from our taxes. <laughs> okay, back to the scene. Uh, a CGI shuttle is taking the crew to uh, Ithacon. And in the shuttle, the crew are strapping on their combat vests, and Books is trying to help the doctor into hers. He's being very forceful. Yes. <laughs> and she's, like, fighting with him. It's weird. Like, he's being unnecessarily forceful, and she's fighting him like a, like a four-year-old who doesn't <laughs> want to put on his life vest before going water skiing or something. 
Uh, and Styx jumps in to try and help and says he's never had to put clothes on a woman. Uh, and Books shoves him out of the way and just continues to proceed to jostle the vest and inadvertently cop a feel on the doctor. I, I also love that that his buddy said, like, this is the, their tough Marine banter. Like, it's not, but it's not sticks trying to take him down and being like, yeah, but you've never, you know, uh, but, you know, you're lame and haven't been with a lady before. It's like, ha, yeah, Books fucks all the time. He's constantly taking <laughs> ladies' clothes off because he's irresistible. <laughs> Look how handsome my friend Books is. Like, I, I really love this. Yeah. I really love the positive reinforcement bro that Sticks is. <laughs> Turbulence! All of a sudden, everyone falls over, and uh, Books <laughs> falls <laughs> onto the doctor. And, and... and and they have a moment, and Styx says, damn, uh-huh. who's driving this, Ray Charles? Thereby <laughs> suggesting that even in the nightmare of the far future of 2096, people are still rocking out to Ray Charles. Um, yes. So, Or when, at least when, are aware that he was blind. When Books falls on the doctor, uh, their eyes are locked in a kind of tractor beam, and they have a moment. I'm sorry, are you all right? And she she shakes the moment loose, and she says, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And uh, Truman, I just want to know, how palpable is the sexual tension here? You know, Landon, you could cut the sexual tension in this scene with a fork if you put the tines <laughs> through it and then dragged them down. It's, you know, I, I think, but I think that a, a large reason the sexual tension is palpable is because he was, uh, quote unquote, accidentally touching her breasts like three seconds <laughs> before that, which w- will raise sexual tension, uh, I, I think, if, especially if it's someone you don't know. Um, oh, man. Um, Anyway, that was the first uh, first peak in our our arc of sexual tension that we are going to track minutely through the rest of this episode. We go We're to ra- a- Raiders of the Lost Ark of Sexual Tension. Yes, we go to <laughs> a cave, cave on Ithacon. Uh, okay. Somewhere deep below the surface of Ithacon, a scantily clad woman who will soon to become known as Princess Zarina uh, is chained to the rocky surface of, a ca- of the cavern, looking a lot and- like Slave Leia, not going to lie. Uh, and that we was cu- probably intentional. I yes, I agree. Metal metal bikini top. Uh, we cut str- like there's not. It's not like we get an establishing shot nope. or some fades to kind of lead us into this. It is a hard cut from the Marines joshing around to a. <laughs> princess lady in heavy makeup yes right yeah a slow pan up this up this shapely woman's body (laughs) in a cave and just when you think it can't get any weirder uh in the distance a cackle (laughs) shadows crawl along the walls the music swells and suddenly good evening and it's a leprechaun in a tuxedo (laughs) and i took a note here in the movie uh-huh. Aliens, yes. In the movie Aliens, uh, some, one of my favorite things about the movie Aliens is that you have to wait over an hour in the movie Aliens until you see Aliens, who, who, who you know, as you may have noticed, yes. the movie is is named after. Uh, yeah. When we first see the Leprechaun in Leprechaun Four in space, it is six minutes and eight seconds into the film. They. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they give you the leprechaun right away. Hey, listen, you <laughs> bought a ticket for a leprechaun. Here's a fucking leprechaun. He's gonna do some leprechaun ass shit. Um, I, I also the, the fact, love. The, yeah, yeah, go go. Go ahead. No, I, I assume you were gonna say this. The fact that he's in a tuxedo. <laughs> 
Yeah, the fact that he's in a tuxedo or that he's got like a little date night set up for them with like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a bottle of green champagne that he materializes on a little table. Um, he's smoking a cigarette out of a cigarette holder. Uh, the leprechaun in the leprechaun mythos, he loves his smoking devices. He has a pipe in the first one. Clearly, uh, he smokes a bong in uh, leprechaun in the hood. Of course, um, of course. He likes he likes uh, he likes smoking. He likes smoking uh, some do you, smokes. Do you, do you think he vapes? Do you think he would vape now? <laughs> I'm sure. He'd have one of those well, really huge vapes. They did a uh, they did a, a soft reboot of the Leprechaun series in 2018. I want to say called Leprechaun Returns, where they pulled this uh, card that I feel like a lot of the reboots are doing, where they're like, let's ignore all of the movies except the first one and just do a direct sequel to that. Uh, yeah, that one was set with a t- there were like drones, there was social media, there was Snapchat, there were uh, selfies. Surprisingly, he never vaped in it. What? I mean, I feel oh, a little disappointed. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I also I feel like the Leprechaun would really uh, have a very active social media presence. This is a guy who loves to talk about himself and the things that he's doing. I can definitely see him being very much like le- rise, rise and grind, me lads and lassies. I'm off to. <laughs> Save me pot of gold and rule the universe. You know, pictures of pi- pictures of of uh, of Princess Zarina like lying by the pool. You know, hashtag yeah. this girl, hashtag love, hashtag life, hashtag uh, power couple, hashtag uh, uh, hashtag don't piss on my corpse. Um, so he yes. basically explains to her that he uh want he okay. So well, he's kidnapped her off screen. Something we've never yeah. seen. And yep, apparently exactly. he's been disrupting mining operations, but we've never, we haven't, uh, but he also kidnapped this lady, and that's really the main business of the movie. And if you're wondering, how did we get from Leprechaun 3 to Leprechaun 4? What, what is the rich tapestry of storytelling that I missed between these two movies? The answer is, you didn't. <laughs> there's literally no explanation as to why there's a Leprechaun on a planet called Ithacon. Um, there is, uh, yeah, why he exists in the year 2096, and then in the next movie, it's back to 1997. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It just is what it is. <laughs> these are all just, these are all just flashes of moments from the Leprechaun's life. It's just, he's, he's woven so. an intricate tapestry of, of yes. life experiences. So I want to, I want to draw attention to some dialogue here. Uh, when he appears, she screams and mm-hmm. thus begins uh, his dialogue, which is, ah, an angel's voice sends pleasure to every part of my being. She screams again, your shrieks, my dear, provide a perfect complement to this romantic evening. And then he shows what's going on. Uh, I want to draw attention to the dialogue only because out of uh, the first three movies, this is the first time he's not speaking in rhymes. <laughs> Wait, he spoke in rhymes in the other ones? Almost okay. every single one of his uh, little bits of dialogue is spoken in rhyme. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, for true leprechaun heads, this must have been pretty jarring. <laughs> like, I, I can now see how you would have a less favorable impression of the writing of this movie if it's like, oh yeah, the thing that the the characters like big gimmick from all the other movies. Yeah, it's kind of hard to write, so we're not doing it anymore. Like that would be, I would I would have a harder time with that if I had yeah. comes. To- if I'd come straight out of Leprechaun 3 expecting uh, expecting more rhyming action. 
Um, he waves his hand, and the shackles that are binding her wrists and feet fall off. Uh, important to know, he has these, you know, uh, magical yeah. powers of just a wave of his hand. Invites her over yes. to the table, uh, candlelit dinner, complete with green champagne. <laughs> yes. Um, and he begins, you know, courting her, saying, Love's own messenger, sent to bring the tidings of joy and newfound ecstasy. Uh, <laughs> and pops the champagne. And she isn't sure what to make of all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and from this, we cut back to the Marines who, again, you might think they're here to rescue the princess. No, the princess is incidental. They're here about the mining operations. They don't right. seem to know that the princess is a factor. Um, yep. But the sergeant leads them in a prayer, which yes. then opens up this notion of like, wait, is this some kind of Warhammer 40K? Like they're like, they're <laughs> warrior monks who are like devoted to some kind of like deistic religious figure who leads them. I, I the, the lore you, you of this movie that, is and you're so like, deep. There's so much happening in this movie, but you say that and you're like, you couldn't possibly cram that into this movie. This is already bursting at the seams. I say, nay, this is one of the few films that probably can carry an infinite load of things. So if they were evangelical uh, mercenaries on a mission from God, that would also fit here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. God hates the leprechaun. It's it's an affront to all things holy, as, I mean... Well, in, in this is a creature that the... bursts out of penises. I mean, any any benevolent <laughs> god would have an issue with this. In some of the films, they do refer to him not as a leprechaun, but as a demon. In this particular movie, the word leprechaun isn't mentioned once at all. He's referred Ooh. to as an alien, a thing, uh, the creature, the monster. He's never mentioned as leprechaun. It's um, like how in zombie movies, no one has ever seen a zombie movie, and they don't know what to call <laughs> these things that have right. come back from the dead. Uh, well, I don't know. These these space rangers, they might not have ever been to Earth. Uh, maybe they were born, you know, in orbit, and they've never been to Ireland, so they, they're missing out on the rich tapestry of folklore. I, yeah, dude, I've never been to Ireland either, and I know what a leprechaun but, is. Also, but you one grow of them up knows... on Earth, so you're exposed to it, and, and this is 100 years in the future. One of them knows who Ray Charles is, but he doesn't know what a leprechaun <laughs> is. I mean, I'm not saying... And I'm not saying that there's like a commonality there between them. I'm not saying that there was like that Jamie Foxx could play a leprechaun in an Academy yeah. Award winning biopic. You're just putting uh, a hypothesis out there that a scientist then has to go and prove. There's never been an over a Venn diagram done of uh, knowledge of Ray Charles and knowledge of leprechauns and what the overlap is between those two groups. Now that you've put the hypothesis out there, we can actually do some scientific work. And also, we don't know for sure that Ray Charles wasn't a leprechaun. I mean, did anyone, like, maybe he hung out at the bottom of rainbows. We, we don't really know. <laughs> I am not going to touch that one. Um, so the doctor uh, takes, the this, <laughs> takes this moment to, uh, to ask uh, Styx, hey, what's going on with the doctor? What's up with his head? He's got a metal head, man. <laughs> and Styx is like, oh, it happened in the last war. Battleship went down over Krylania. Lost half his yeah. skull. Still managed to carry a wounded Marine on his back 15 miles before he reached our lines. Did he live? And then Books chimes in with a, oh yeah, he lived. If you call this living, uh, uh. And then high five sticks over her head. Kind of a good bit, though. Kind of a good bit still. Like, you know, he's a joker. He brings a little bit of levity to the situation. Uh, if you want to call it that. Um, 
<laughs> we cut back to. I mean, I I don't I you know listen. I've seen what partying is for these Marines, and we'll discuss it in a bit. But I don't yeah. call that living. So books was giving voice to something that I agreed with is that the the soldier's okay. life is fair. not a happy one. That yes. is fair. You've changed my opinion. Uh, we cut to the romantic date already in progress on the uh, on Lithicon, uh in the cave. Lepi continues. Uh, I'm going to call him Lepi instead of Leprechaun. Lepi continues yeah. his courtship with the most beautiful woman in the universe, Princess Serena, my future wife. Uh, and he raises a, a glass of the green champagne, and mm-hmm. she suddenly, now knowing his plan, is like, your wife? Your wife? How dare you? Do you know who I am? I am the daughter of a king. And he explains that, yes, he's tired. He knows that she's the daughter of a king. That's why he wants to marry <laughs> That's her. That's how princesses work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't just abduct you randomly. I chose you for a reason. Like like li- just 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 sit and listen for one second, lady, to what my plan is. I I get I get it. Yeah. Um, he basically says yeah. he's not getting his due. That he's a man amongst men, and they'll all bow before him. And he smashes his champagne flute uh, and says, "Off with their heads!" And then he cackles a little bit. So basically, he's stating like, "I'm going to make you my queen, and then I'm going to make the world bow before me." Yes. Yeah, and so we then cut back from this to the Marines uh, walking in front of some fake rocks while getting flashed with <laughs> we, purple strobe we, lights we, to simulate we are the on the the surface of Ithacon, and uh, yeah, purple lightning crashes, lightning crashes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're surveying. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, they're they're surveying the what little bit of the planet they can afford to show us, and. Uh, <laughs> Debbie Dunning, this is when we get kind of our first, our, yeah. well, I mean, she's spoken before, but we get our first real character moment from Debbie Dunning, who assures uh, Dr. Reeves that despite everybody's, uh, all the Marines' bravado, that they're all scared, and that she says, basically, you know, we you know we fight a little better when we're all a little bit goosed. But it's this moment of, like, remarkable, I, I don't know, like, Debbie Dunning saying this to her, it's like, oh, it's kind of a nice humanistic moment and this kind of nice interaction but like hey don't be <laughs> fooled by us we're actually you know we're actually all scared but we're just we're, we're terrified and gun trigger happy so <laughs> uh you know have fun with it i mean but it's it, it's it's just I, I was i was overall impressed with how debbie dunning's character was written in this i was really worried coming in that she was just going to be like some kind of bimbo and admittedly yeah there's a pivotal scene where she's running around in her bra but but she also <laughs> has a lot of decent lines in her characters yeah. written as kind of a badass in, in ways that I, <laughs> I don't know, I kind of liked. I was like, wow, little, like, little asides and moments of, of life and character, yeah. uh, you know, uh, um, spark and, and, and realness in the middle of Leprechaun 4 in space. I could have easily seen her in Starship Troopers uh, following yes. this. Um, there, I mean, and, there were a lot of sexy sh- soldiers in that movie, too. <laughs> probably one of the important things of that scene is that she officially has more screen time than Patricia Richardson had in all of Undue Influence. <laughs> Ugh, my God. Yes. <laughs> even though even though she's sixth build, I feel like by the by the time by the time this movie was over, I felt like, you know what? OK, this was still this was more relevant to what we're doing than Undue Influence. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the date and uh, the princess is throwing dinner rolls at Leppy's head uh, saying, I'd never marry you. I'd rather die first. And uh, Leppy poses a question that I think we both have to answer. Truman, would you rather be dead or would you rather be rich? I. <laughs> hmm. 
<laughs> I guess I'd say rich, but it's only it's it's by it's by a nose. I think rich would be <laughs> okay. better. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. So I but but I mean, but also I, I'm just the only reason that I hesitate on that is because there might be strings attached, like, oh rich, but you have to marry the leprechaun. Because I don't want to just knee jerk <laughs> Because if it's being married to the leprechaun is how I can get rich, then no, I'll pick dead. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I don't want to marry the know, leprechaun. The thing is, I might end up dead after marrying the leprechaun, so why not just see how it goes? It might be interesting, you know, for a little bit, yeah. and then once it's like, oh, no, this sucks, then I die anyway. So, like, at least I got one last little uh, answer to life's biggest question. What is it like being married to the leprechaun? You know, you might find that the leprechaun is actually a really, not not just a good partner, but also a good lover. Like, the leprechaun <laughs> might kind of fill a lot of the holes that have been present in your life. Ooh, like, marrying ooh. the leprechaun might wind up being one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. Maybe, just take a maybe. plunge, marry the leprechaun. Uh, he waves his hand and all of the uh, romantic dinner settings turn into plates of gold and rubies and jewels. Um, and he basically says, yeah, your, your father, your king, your kingly father was really stupid because he gave all the riches to all the peasants, uh, in an act of charity. Um, so that leaves you with nothing. You're, you're broke unless you marry me. And and she's, she's really taken with the jewels. She's like, oh, okay, well, let me consider this for a second. And it left me thinking, like, I really want to find the pre, like, the prequel novel about this and read the whole, like, saga of her dynasty and her father achieving the throne and then being this altruistic man of the people and and spreading the wealth around. I I I know all the lore of this world. Like, the the leprechaun yeah. is just like a small player in the much greater game of the universe. King of Dominia, book one. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, okay, so they're back on the surface where, with the crew. Metalhead gets a ping on his Binford Pinginator 6100, <laughs> um, and he says, Lucky, you're up! And uh, they they check out the reading. Lucky steps into uh, action for the recon, which is the first example of their only method <laughs> of military action in this movie, which is, hey, there's danger up ahead. Why don't... Only one of us go first. <laughs> yes, the rest of us will wait out here and listen really carefully. And if something <laughs> happens, we'll run in. I yeah i I've been playing a lot of the video game XCOM recently, which is yeah. a video game where you are giving orders to uh, space marines in combat. And uh, listen, as soon as I saw that one guy going in there alone, I was like, guys, come on, what are, what are you doing here? You're not protecting your <laughs> flanks. You don't have anybody in Overwatch who can get a free shot in if an alien appears on their turn. It's just, it's just bad. It's bad tactics. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what they. I don't know what they're getting paid for this contract that's up at midnight, but it cannot be very much. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, so we go into a bit of cross cutting here between the conversation between Leppy and the princess. She's she's starting to buy into this thing, saying, you know, I deserve it. I have nothing to wear these days. People treat me as if I were common. And then we cut back to Lucky, who is uh, sweeping, you know, uh, his gun nozzle across the the cavern, uh, looking for danger. And um, yeah, he he. I'm not quite sure what the strategic plan is here, but uh, you get a ping on a dangerous alien, then you send one soldier in to take him. You're gonna you're gonna run into some trouble, which he's they do. The, 
he's the canary in the coal mine and he finds some sort of <laughs> alien monster runs at him and he shoots yep. it and this makes well, a big racket and then the leprechaun knows that he's there. This alien that pops out, which is just a puppet, like a sock puppet, uh, pops out from behind a, a stalagmite, and it, it's it looks like if you cross a xenomorph with Howie Mandel in Little Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> a thought that I've never wanted to have before that is now, I've never wanted to cross Howie Mandel with anything. <laughs> uh, Lucky unloads into it, and the gunshots echo through the cavern. Uh, where Leppy, Leppy hears him. He hears the gunshots. Uh, and the princess says, hey, I think it's my father. Uh, he's come to find me uh, and rescue me. Nope, and... nope, nope, Princess Serena. It's all about the mining operation. It has nothing to do with you. This is just, <laughs> this is just a weird coincidence. Uh, Leppy asks, well, okay, I'm going to pose it to you then. Will you go with me or will you go with him? And alas, like King Charles uh, VII taking over the throne of King Charles the the Sixth. She says, the king is dead. Long live the king. And you thereby... actually looked up the origin of that quote because of Leprechaun 4 in space. <laughs> no, I'm a Shakespeare uh, historian. Oh, yeah. You don't know you're, that about you're, me? Yeah, you're a total bard head. Yeah, that, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, I saw, I, I'll never forget the first time I saw Leprechaun 4 performed at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. It was a beautiful production. Uh, I think the soliloquies were really handled well. Um. Okay, so the Marines come in chasing after Lucky, uh, another aptly named character, because he is not so lucky. Uh, he examines the dead something on the ground, the smoldering alien carcass, uh, and chastises Lucky for firing on it. No, the whole planet knows we're here. Uh, but it's like, sends... what were you get? Like, you, you sent him in there with a gun, alone. What did you think he was going to do? Like, there was no plan. <laughs> what if he had run into the leprechaun he would have just been like uh sarge i found him do you not want yeah. me to shoot him what do you want me to do here just just blow on your silent dog whistle so we know that you've <laughs> that you found him and then and then we'll make a plan then uh so as they continue to look at the smoldering carcass of this alien life form uh he sends lucky to go look in the next <laughs> cavern uh alone and this is where he comes upon the dinner table filled with the golden treasure that Lepi has uh, turned into uh, or transformed for the princess. Um, he's overcome and with greed. Lucky, is, yes. he sees all this and his eyes turn to rubies, basically. Yes. He he takes off his helmet and he just starts filling it up with jewels and and gold and other bits and completely was ignores this, was the this fact. A distraction? Was this a distraction tactic? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I guess it. I guess it. Ha I don't know if he was. This, I don't know if he was hypnotized or if Lucky is just a really shitty soldier and never, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He, he figured that was the only thing I'm going to have to kill today, and now I'm done. Because um, from behind him uh, steps Lepi, and mm -hmm. from his pocket he pulls out a metal rod, and with a flick of a switch, an illuminated blade appears. You might call it a laser sword. Or maybe yes. a holographic cutlass, or an electromagnetic radiation scimitar. <laughs> Definitely not a lightsaber. No, 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 no. It, it does. It doesn't have the appearance of that. I'd call it. Um, yeah, no. I'd call it more of a glow knife or a laser box cutter, but no, but not lightsaber. No, no, not at all. Uh, and then Lepi. So worth mentioning. Warwick Davis plays the leprechaun, and Warwick Davis is. 
infamously known from the Star Wars films, as well as uh, playing Willow for George Lucas. Um, so it's a little in-joke to those Star Wars heads who are that, that small audience who has come over from Star Wars uh, specifically for Warwick Davis. Uh, the, um, the, audi- the audience that was like, oh, Star Wars is set in space, Leprechaun 4 is set in space. This must be right up my alley. It's probably the same kind of stuff. <laughs> Apollo well, 13 the, is set in space. Leprechaun now, 4 is okay. set in space. You brought up Apollo 13, so I'm going to go into the trivia about this. Apparently, the idea for this movie came up when at a dinner party, somebody had the Apollo 13 poster and taped the leprechaun's face over it. And the producers and the director looked at it and said, hmm... <laughs> uh was this a dinner party or was something else being consumed maybe something I, powdery I, I was not not party to that party so what was it was it say was it being chewed or perhaps uh, inhaled and rubbed uh, liberally onto the gums i wonder <laughs> i don't know uh okay lucky is not so lucky he gets chopped down uh like he's a monster arm at the cantina bar on tatooine um he's dead he dies he gets hacked to pieces (laughs) and and then his screams bounce off the wall and the crew jumps into action yes and so the soldiers all run in and they start shooting at the leprechaun the leprechaun who has unlimited magic powers and immortality and the ability to do anything grabs the dead soldier's gun and engages in the first of many firefights just like shootouts dodging to and from cover with the Space Marines. <laughs> um, yeah. It's and, amazing. Yes. This is the first yes. time in the series that Lepi uses a gun, by the way. Uh, I have to be honest, uh, considering the rest of the crew have these huge automatic weapons, and he just has this little blaster pistol, uh, he's not too bad with it. Like, he's holding off an entire crew of Marines with just a blaster pistol. I, the leprechaun is a tactical genius, and also maybe, you know, look, maybe that's his magic at work. It's not working in, in such an overt way as in hypnotizing people and conjuring yeah. things out of midair. It's more just making his laser bullets find their mark very efficiently. Would you say that he's using some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, natural force that's built into the fabric of universe to guide those? Uh yeah 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 like it some sort of um some sort of uh essence basically some <laughs> yeah, like maybe something something in his blood like shitty Blorians are 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 enhancing <laughs> his shooting abilities. Um okay, but he's holding him off to the point that Kowalski, uh, who we met briefly in the very first scene, uh, decides I'm going to throw some eggs at him. And so yep. he he lobs some some of his uh, exploding eggs over the ledge where Leppy is standing, and guess what? Bada bing! It explodes. Yep. To to protect the princess from the blast, uh, Leppy dives onto it and explodes into a million pieces. <laughs> a remarkably selfless in, in, act for the leprechaun. Yeah, and a bit of a heroic turn. I think this is the yeah. most heroic the leprechaun has been in the entire series. It was this moment seeing him do this. It's like, wow, he must really love this princess. That's good for the <laughs> leprechaun. He loves his gold, and the princess is just a way to the gold. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see that. I see that. <laughs> uh, uh, he blows into a million pieces, and apparently she loses a hand in this as well. Uh, yeah, that's not explicitly shown until just after the you know the aftermath. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what happened to her hand. Yeah, uh, the crew moves and- in to secure the area. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I was just, I was just saying that they're secure in the area, and then um, Ko- Kowalski, uh, one of the Marines, unzips, 
and starts pissing on the leprechaun's body. Like, Metalhead has told him to do something, and he says, hang on a second, and he unzips and starts pissing on the leprechaun's remains, and he says, pure Rocky Mountain spring water. And then (laughs) Metalhead, like, is thrilled that he's doing this. He's, he's like, so proud of this soldier for peeing on the remnants of a corpse. adding a a final touch to his kill. It's, uh, and this is the only time in the movie that we get a rhyme. He well, uh, well, he says, "Death from above, let it rain." What, wait, yeah. does he say something else that rhymes? Well, because we see uh, one of you know. Okay, so Leppy's limbs have just gone all over the place. So when he's yeah. pissing on the body, quote unquote, he's really just like pissing on his boot, <laughs> or yes. maybe it was his torso, because Leppy's head is elsewhere. <laughs> yes, and uh, it comes to life and. Um, Oh, maybe it's not. I'm sorry. This is a note I wrote. This is this is a Landon original rhyme. Oh, okay. Oh, so so I'm this sorry. wasn't the only rhyme in the movie. There were no rhymes in the movie. This there were the no rhymes the in the movie. You, this, this is where is you hallucinated my, a rhyme. This, this exactly. Uh, if you piss on a leprechaun's boot up the stream, a shock will shoot. <laughs> did they did they tell you that in health class in high they school? Did. Yeah, and that's you good. Get zapped in the wiener because it happens. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody sees that happen, and they just laugh at him. Like, hey, probably nothing nothing gone wrong there. That's fine. Nothing nothing we need to worry about. Our friend got zapped <laughs> in the dick, pissing on a magical alien's corpse. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's great. Um, and But we do see Lebby's head off to the side after the crew kind of packs everything up, and uh, it comes alive and winks at the camera. Uh, also, I, I just, I have to love that Kowalski, listen, if I had just killed an alien monster and if i was the sort of person who is inclined to piss on the remains of the monster i've killed if the head is there i'm gonna piss on its head <laughs> wow i'm not gonna i think that, gonna... that says a lot about you no that's, i don't it's th- a whole new briggs meyer test i myself would not do that if i was the kind of guy who who was into pissing on things i'd killed if the head was right there and i want to show disrespect i'm gonna mm. piss on the head of the of the mo- alien monster i you Okay, I feel like you're looking at me like I'm weird about this, but I'm not weird. I think that that would be a very natural response if you were a corpse pisser. Um, I'm not going to put my head in that space, so uh, I've got I got some other in space to talk about. Yeah, and and you want to keep your head away from me because you know what I would do to it. So, God. um, back in the shuttle, uh, yes. mission accomplished. Uh, accomplished. The the doctor uh, is now examining the princess. Um. And she's reattaching the hand. Yes. We we then get a further shot of the infirmary where they all are, and there are scorpions and tarantulas in jars and cages. For some damn know. reason. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and we're introduced to Harold, um, who is prodding them for some reason. He yeah. is... It's not clear what he does he's in a, the ship. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a scientist. Uh, he's part of the science crew. He's a weird doctor. That's what I have him written down as. He's just a weird doctor who kind of works for the other doctors. <laughs> the doctor, uh, the other doctor. We gotta, we gotta differentiate them. I, in my notes, I'm, I realize this sounds bad, but Metalhead, when he was pissed about the girl being on their mission, he calls her Cupcake. And so, in my notes, I have her listed as Doctor Cupcake. Mm-hmm. Yes, very so, good. In order to differentiate between the three different doctors we have on this, I'm gonna call her dr cupcake for now yeah uh 
Dr. Cupcake and Books are looking over the princess, and she pulls off the necklace and asks uh, Harold, who has come over, uh, if he kn- if, do you know what this is? It's from the planet Dominia, and it signifies royal birth. If we can save her, it might mean better relations with the Dominions. I, again, uh, I didn't. I, I love the lore. I love the palace <laughs> intrigue. I love the diplomacy of it. I love the the breadth of her knowledge. Not only is she a biologist, uh, interning as an assistant to a other uh, genetic researcher, but she's also an anthropologist on top of being a medical doctor, and uh, and is and is up on the geopolitics of the galaxy and like yeah. who's got alliances with who. <laughs> Harold. He's not impressed at all with any of this. <laughs> no, no. He uh, also during this scene, Doctor Reeves is holding Doctor Cupcake is holding a metal clipboard, like clearly just a medical surplus metal clip <laughs> clipboard. But she's yes. tapping on the inside of it, and we keep her in these bloop 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 bloop, bloop <laughs> trying to suggest that it's like some kind of uh, uh, iPad that she's using in this moment. It's not the first time I'm going to bring up that that <laughs> that medical pad. Because uh, there is a, something mind-boggling about them later in this movie that I'll get to. Um, Harold's not impressed, and uh, uh, she—I lost—I lost, I lost myself with the notes here. Oh yeah, he's oh. like—he um, gets—he gets, he gets kind of testy with her and says, "You're not the boss of me," uh, but I don't know who the boss of who is in this movie uh, yet. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, she it, says, it, "Who's the it, boss?" We'll figure out. <laughs> Is it would apply to this? Go on. But she says, "Just do it. We'll figure out who's in charge later." Shouldn't that have already been figured out? Um, yeah. And books then uses his you know threatening marine status and just says, "Get to work." Uh, and then Harold just goes, <laughs> he gets right up in his face and he's like, "Don't touch me unless you mean it, cowboy." Uh, <laughs> he says, and then he kind of walks off, which is just strange based on the variety of things that they have this character do in this movie yes um i'd like to think that he's the first bisexual uh evil doctor minion in space uh but we'll we'll find out but but honestly Mittenhand is kind of ambiguous in that way too sometimes maybe That's just true. because he reminds me of dr frankenfurter i don't know <laughs> Mittenhand is ambiguous he might be asexual but uh harold i think he he's just he's down to fuck for whatever comes his way so long as it's weird. He's only down to so fuck if he can make weird. it weird. He, I, yes. he's, he's not heterosexual. He's not homosexual. He's not bisexual. He's just weird stuff sexual. That's all yeah. he wants. And, you know, there's generally nothing wrong with that. There is definitely no. something wrong with the way Harold approaches it. But Yes, yes. Harold, Harold is wrong and bad, but, but not because of his sexuality. And speaking of sexuality, Truman, are you ready for our next uh, uh, peak in the arc of our sexual tension here? Oh, oh I'm ready. She I'm is ready. pissed. She is so pissed that books try to help her in this situation. She is yes. not a fan of the aggressive approach. She does science, and you could tell by the futuristic clipboard that she has in her hand uh, that is basically just a calculator with a, uh, um, a tray glued to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's it's convincing. If you kind if you kind of squint at it, you can almost believe. It's this, it was the sound effects you talked about that sell it to me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as yeah, long yeah, as yeah. you keep the face of it away from the camera and you add boops in afterward, anything could be from the future. Yes. The the future is a very noisy place. Every button you press <laughs> has a sound response. That's how you know you're in the future. She Victorian era was it. very quiet. Yes. She's she's upset. She tells him, get the fuck out of here. And he says, you know what? Strip. 
and uh, he goes, you got to take off the body armor. Can you, this is like the greatest meat cute that has ever graced cinematic screens. Uh, I don't know. There's a there's a subsequent one between them that I think is even better than this one. <laughs> okay. We go to the cargo hold where Metalhead and Harold are examining one of uh, Lepi's gold rocks. Yep. Harold, and they, uh, yeah. Well, no, yeah. Harold uses some kind of ray to like shrink it down really small for easy transport, but then shows that there's another ray they can shoot it with that'll make it big again. Mm-hmm. And Metalhead is really impressed by this. And yes. uh, Harold Harold just kind of curtos to Dr. Mittenhand said, he's a real genius. Um, then, <laughs> like the greatest of all sitcom entrances, Dr. Mittenhand appears on one of the video <laughs> monitors. Uh, thanks to, and thanks, Harold, for his kind words. <laughs> as as though summoned. It's really it's yeah. really kind of hysterical. He just appears there like when you when you get you get your you know Google home to turn on without meaning for it to. Uh, and then he goes on to say that he's informed the Galactic Enterprises of their find. So I think there is a really complex uh, story just underneath everything. You really have to listen to the dialogue to get what's going on with this mining operation. Well, yeah, because yeah, because then the uh, metalhead tells him, you know, oh, well, our, this is when he first mentions our contract is up at midnight and then we become free agents. And this is another place that I noted, okay, again, if you're doing a parody of Alien, you have tapped into, or like a parody of Aliens, <laughs> you have tapped into one of the key themes of the Alien franchise is that, is that you know, we have we have transcended the stars, we live in space, and it's all just terrible bureaucracy and cold, calculating space capitalism, total inhumanity, and just everybody trying to get, a, get over on somebody else, and it's all <laughs> contracts and negotiations. Yeah. So they, they, the people who are making this pastiche of the Alien movies really paid attention to what the movies are more deeply about <laughs> uh i mean that's the thing is like they're uh, brian trenchard smith i think is a, a self-proclaimed fan of movies so uh, he would not deny what you're saying right now so i i think on behalf of him on behalf of bts a thank you sir <laughs> Okay, well, pretty bold of you to assume that you're speaking on his behalf, but uh, I, you know, I, I'll t I hope he takes the compliment, and I will I will take his accepting of the compliment through his proxy, you. Um, um but this so this sparks the uh the tense relation between Doctor Mittenhand and Metalhead, uh, because you know, uh, he's saying our contract's running up. Mittenhand saying no one is to leave this ship until I so say, uh, which was weird to hear him say that. And then he kind of backtracks and goes, unless I say so, uh, <laughs> which I only bring up because it, it's, it establishes a kind of comic spin that doesn't entirely work with the movie. Uh, yeah. But they're making the, the main antagonist buffoonish. <laughs> yeah. He like Dr. Mittenhand is funny enough on his own. I mean, his name is Mittenhand. You don't need him to be misspeaking and then sheepishly correcting himself to make him funny. Like yeah, the exactly. fact that he is a bald-headed, intense face screaming into, you know, a camera from a monitor on a cart, that's funny enough. You don't need to add yeah. wordplay into the situation. Um Harold says I wouldn't argue with Dr. Mittenhand ever. <clears throat> we go to uh the rec hall. Oh, my God. Yes. Oof. We get to see the rec hall for the first time. We see where the budget went for this movie. Yes. This rec hall is a wreck, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> 
It's it, but really is the, like I wrote this down. This is the most depressing party I've seen in a long time, and I haven't been to a party in over a year and a half. There are there are six Marines in this room. Yep. Like Debbie Dunning and Kowalski are dancing, and then the other four, all dudes, are all just playing, sitting around playing, a table, like playing play, dominoes. Yeah, playing dominoes. <laughs> Not even poker. Not even poker. They're playing dominoes. And drinking mysterious liquid out of what are clearly Ikea tumblers, plastic Ikea tumblers on a table. I don't even think they're Ikea tumblers. I think they're Dollar General. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 there's a, and there's just a disco ball going and those lights reflecting around the room. But it's just, it is, it is just six people getting wasted in a yep. rather large room. And uh, Kowalski's getting kind of horny and says, let's go somewhere. Dolores is like, uh, or Debbie Dunning says, uh, they're going to see us leaving and uh, they won't notice. They're all drunk. But guess what? They do. They all notice. Every single one of them notices that they're leaving. <laughs> and, and and also, I, I do. I did just take the note that, listen, if I learned anything from Starship Troopers, it's that co-ed soldiers have no hangups about fucking each other or being naked around each other or anything yeah. like that like this would there would be no sense of modesty in this moment they have probably no. done it before again we learned that from starship troopers granted that came out a year or two after this movie um i another another shameless ripoff boogie nights starship troopers <laughs> they're all they're all just cribbing from uh, leprechaun 4 in space the the doom doors open and uh kowalski and dolores are space smooching yep <laughs> And uh, they they are, you know, fooling around having R-rated direct-to-video horror movie sex, like a lot of licking each other's faces, and, like, she takes her shirt off, and there's some bra action going on. <laughs> and then, Landon, do you want to, like, so so the did you write down the dialogue here? Oh, I, I took vast notes on this scene, because it's, it's the pivotal scene of the movie. Yes, I mean, this is the one that they show on all the award ceremonies, obviously. Okay, so uh, Dolores and Kowalski, they sneak off behind yes. some industrial equipment. What yes. kind of equipment? I don't know. doesn't it's matter. It's spa- space equipment. <laughs> it's space equipment. He rips off her shirt. She yes. takes off his belt. There yes. is some sexy licking. <laughs> yes. And, and she begins to give him a hand job. Oh, baby, shake hands with the big guy. <laughs> I don't know that I want to double team this. <laughs> I, that, that's what she said. Uh, take it easy. You don't want to hurt Mr. Snake. And then, not so and rough, then, you want to take it home with you? Question mark. Because uh, it, it does start to hurt. Like, really hurt him. My 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 notes are just, his dick really hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> he buckles over in pain, falls against the wall, and as he's sitting on the floor, spread eagle, uh, his groin starts to throb and swell and inflate. And yep. we get the first of the most amazing lines. Not the first. We get another in a series of amazing lines in this movie with uh, Debbie Dunning, our beloved Heidi, going, staring directly at his crotch, throbbing and inflating, going, what the hell's going on in there? As if it's as if it's some new thing that she hasn't discovered about the male anatomy yet. Well, well, but I mean, in in her defense, she's not expecting what happens next. Fair, fair. Well, he like, falls to the ground. Yes, his crouch is palpitating behind yes. his camo pants. 
Yes. Uh, she runs over to him. His fly is down at this point because she was giving him a handy. And uh, something, something begins to emerge. Something <laughs> leprechaun-shaped <laughs> emerges from his crotch. Uh, uh, we in, in that moment, I, so this is just one of the kind of cheeky little things uh, by the filmmakers. As <laughs> we get a sh- we're talking about this on a home improvement podcast. This is a this, we're earning our stripes here. Uh, as he has a boner, <laughs> and yep. we get a shot of the boner. Yep. Um, the the score hits this little like raise the flag note. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and, really, uh, really loving yeah. attention to to <laughs> all forms of erections. We- we see two clawed gray hands tear through his skivvies, and then yep. the head of Leppy. Yep. Yes, the electric shock that he received while pissing on Leppy was actually an insemination. So, and here's my question. When the leprechaun dove on the grenade, was his whole, was he just banking on one of the soldiers peeing on him so he could infect his dick like was he that banking no. all along one of the things uh, one of the trademarks of leprechaun is he's very opportunistic he he can improvise he can make things he can manifest things so he just he was rolling with it in the moment saying hey this is happening to me now i can use this so diving on the grenade was him him going with the flow oh. i'm going to kill myself he he's he has a lot in common with Metalhead in that neither of them have much of a plan. They just mm. do the thing and then see what happens afterward. Okay, okay. He just doesn't yell about it as much as Metalhead does. Yeah. Um, he comes yeah. out, uh, Kowalski screaming, and we get uh, a Leprechaun one-liner. Let that be a lesson to you, lad. Always wear a prophylactic. <laughs> but, of course... That's the the real lesson is don't piss on a leprechaun's corpse. A condom, the only thing wearing a condom would have done would have made sure that he couldn't have been pissing on the leprechaun's corpse, which is not what a Fair. condom is there for. If he'd had a no. if he'd put on a condom with Debbie Dunning, the leprechaun would have just burst through the condom too. Like unless his true. weakness is latex. But you could have used a prophylactic to pee into and then smash the prophylactic filled with pee on the leprechaun body, thereby not creating a stream from you to the leprechaun body in which he can inseminate you. So if he had used a prophylactic to piss into, we wouldn't be in the situation. That did become standard operating procedure for the Space Marines <laughs> after this movie came out. Like everyone was like, "Oh shit! This that, this exposed a vulnerability in our systems. We need to we need to think ahead." They train this now at West Point. Suddenly, Leppy soars through the air and lands into the shadows. Yes. And Debbie Dunning, seeing that Kowalski is dead, grabs her gun and follows him. And then the leprechaun turns around and he's got a badge and a six-shooter. And he does a John Wayne-style line at her and then shoots the gun out (laughs) of her hand. (laughs) Hold it right there, Pilgrim. I'm not going to hurt you. Bang! The hell I'm not. (laughs) She starts Uh, running. Yep. And... And then we cut back to the lounge where it the party has gotten even more depressing, and it's just four <laughs> Marines sitting and drinking and eating space yep. nuts. Dr. Cupcake comes in, um, and she finds a cozy spot by herself. Yep. <laughs> She's like, oh, there are four other people in this room? No, I mean, I still go sit by myself. <laughs> She's, you know, she's the kind of person who takes a book to the space bar. She just wants to, you know, <laughs> sit alone and, and enjoy the evening herself. Uh, I disagree because books 
does make eyes at her and goes over oh. to her, and boy, she ain't having it. Um, she she does not go to the next chapter. <laughs> then we get we cut back to deck five where Lepi is uh, walking through the shadows and the steaming pipes, and we get the first of his solilo- soliloquies as he speaks to himself. Uh, <laughs> though I small though I am, mighty is my spirit when battle calls. Come at me with what you will. Shoot me, stab me, kill me a hundred ways, and still I fight on. I am eternal as the sun, a thousand demons from hell. Death and destruction are my game. Agony is my name. <laughs> so he's not talking to anyone but himself here, and I have to think that this is some sort of positive affirmation for himself, like to build up his confidence. <laughs> he he, he listened... <laughs> He listened to a podcast about this, or like he's a big fan of The Secret, and he's just kind of visualizing what's going to happen yep. next. He's repeating this to himself every morning in the mirror when he wakes up. That's the source of his magical powers. It's all just manifesting in self-confidence. He's got a wicked vision board. <laughs> also, he, he says, uh, basically, a recipe for how to get a leprechaun, which is uh, 1,000 demons from hell. So it begs the question, what if you like half the demons from hell, what do you get? Or double the demons from hell, what does that make? Well, I mean, I think that it, you can double the recipe with 2,000 demons from hell if you're if you're making, like, enough leprechauns for a party. I think that if it's... <laughs> I think that if... I think that 500 demons from hell, that's like a fairy spelled A-E-R-I-E. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, and then, I mean, after that, I think, I think that fewer demons from hell than that, I think that's just, like, that just gets you a wicked shamrock, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think 75, uh, se- 75 demons from hell, if you combine those together, you get one of the Wahlberg brothers, but I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> it's Donnie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it's Donnie. It's Donnie. It's not the good one. <laughs> we uh, we go back to the, the smoldering tension between books and Dr. Cupcake. Um, so uh, books asks, how's the casualty? Uh Okay, listen, I'm not up on my my marine medical terminology. Isn't casualty a dead person? <laughs> uh, I mean, not necessarily. No. It's I think it's anyone who's been injured in the line of in the line of duty. Okay. okay. Injured or okay. killed. I think the I think Leprechaun Foreign Space checks out here land and I think I think they have their their jargon correct. Their military well, advisor told them this. This isn't the first time this movie uh shows me shows me up in my notes. Um Dr. Cupcake says that uh, the princess is resting, more or less. Uh, not sure how you can more or less rest, but that's what she says. Uh, that they won't be able to save her hand. There's too much arterial damage. Um, and then we get just, like, flirting 101. Everyone, they need to show this in uh, pickup artist schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was this was <laughs> great. This was some really good stuff. Um, so you're a doctor, a biologist, And then she has this face like, in case you don't understand what that means, it's a doctor of biology. (laughs) That must mean you're pretty smart, right? Smart is a relative term, relative to the level of intelligence you're referring to, meaning what is the criteria in which you're judging one's intelligence? What is the prerequisite? (laughs) And and he, like, this sets up this interesting dynamic between the two of them. That is kind of revisited throughout the movie, where he feels yeah. insecure about his intelligence, and and that is like a 
that is an obstacle sort of on again, off again in their relationship that I guess kind of gets resolved when he guesses a password correctly at the end of the movie. <laughs> God. But uh, this is an- another another example, even though this scene is not written particularly well, of like, oh, okay, they're trying to give them some kind of, uh, uh, you know, running emotional yeah. backstory. I mean, I, I, I completely disagree. I think the sexual tension is just crackling here. Space crackling, if you will. Okay, okay. I mean, look, in, in space, no one can hear your sexual tens- tension crackle, so that might be why <laughs> I'm missing it. But uh, I did not feel it as much here. But suffice it to say... This ends with uh, them parting ways. Their yes. flir- his flirting has catastrophically failed. And the boys uh, who are now drunk and dancing. Um, uh, oh, I-, I skipped over the part where Dolores is still running from Leprechaun. They have another encounter where he hops on her and uh, asks, <laughs> why don't you like me? And she just clocks him in the face and gets away. Um, good for Debbie Dunning. Good for Debbie Dunning. It- yeah, it's you nice. know, she gets yeah. some hits in. She she's kind of a badass in this movie. Yeah. Um, now we're back to the boys dancing drunkenly in the uh, the hall. Sticks is not impressed. Twenty uh, first century, and they still can't dance. Hot damn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has a little heart to heart with books at the bar. Books is uh, smitten with Doctor Cupcake. Why? I, there, there's been no indication at all <laughs> in their interactions <laughs> that he would be, uh, you know. In love with her. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, I think it's just that she is a woman and she is around. I think that's that's the primary attraction. <laughs> so is Dolores. But I guess... Yeah, well, and Do- there's, Dolores yeah. is off with Kowalski. So, that, you fair, know, he's got a... Fair point. Fair point. That, like, well, he, she's not anymore because she bursts in the room with one of the most classic lines from sci-fi horror of all time. It's alive! <laughs> <laughs> I really... I. I'm sorry that they didn't say the word leprechaun in this movie because this would have been a great time and a great moment for her to yell, you know, leprechaun on board! Or, there's a leprechaun on the loose! <laughs> or, lep alert! alert kind of works, but uh, the others don't quite roll off the tongue. That's why you um, need the, the lep alert bracelet for when you've <laughs> leprechauned and you can't get up. Anyway, continue. <laughs> We go to the infirmary. Uh, there are more insects in formaldehyde jars as we pan over to the princess on the sick bed. Uh, Harold enters with some test tubes that look like they're filled with Kool-Aid. Uh, he gives a very spine-shuddering hello. Um, she begins to stir, and her fingers start to wriggle. She's growing a new hand. Yes, that's yep. right. Um, but Harold, I don't want to spend too much time on this. He begins to sniff her feet and yeah. pulls up the sheet to look at her knees and her thighs and so, her stomach, kisses so, her belly button. I so, uh, so Tarantino's favorite director, huh, made this movie <laughs> where a guy sensually kisses an unconscious woman's feet. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, it, it is, it's shit like this in horror movies that's really hard to defend. You know, on the one hand, they're trying to set up, you know, characters have to do bad things to have their comeuppance. But at the same time, you're kind of glorifying the things that they're doing and it can get icky at times yeah just a little bit just, a, I, just ha- a I have no defense yeah uh, harold is well, being I, a creepazoid here for sure i i expect you to defend the movie leprechaun for in space a movie that was made to your specifications for you specifically 
Um, uh, well, while Harold is doing all this disgusting stuff, uh, behind him, a video monitor slowly enters the frame with Dr. Mittenhand watching disapprovingly. Um, <laughs> a gif really could be made from that. That's a really good moment. You also have to, if you're going to gif that moment, you have to gif uh, Harold also doing the gross stuff. So yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's tough. It's tough. I want to, just a side note on the technology here that I'm really glad to see in the next hundred years that technology has improved to the point where Dr. Mittenhand can look in the camera and have the camera look like they're looking at the person and not mm-hmm. off to the side looking at mm-hmm. the camera the way that it does when I FaceTime with my parents. Yeah, th- I think that I think that by 2096, they've finally solved for the issues <laughs> of webcams. Like that they're, you know, people yeah. live through, through the pandemic and all those Zoom calls, and they were like, we need to fix this. We need to find a way. <laughs> um, so just before Harold cops a feel, uh, Dr. Mittenhand speaks up. Uh, he's noticed that she's, uh, Harold finally sees that she's grown the hand, uh, including nail polish. So mm-hmm. that's part Very of powerful. Uh, <laughs> DNA regeneration. Um, it, her Dr. DNA M- is fabulous. <laughs> Dr. She is, her skin is glittery like a Twilight vampire for sure. Uh, yes. So maybe maybe I'm just making assumptions that her nails aren't actually blue. Um, Doctor uh, Doctor M butts in and confirms the tissue regeneration, um, but he also knows that Harold is a naughty naughty boy, and and he explains that he has big plans for her super regenerative DNA. Do you know what I could do with her DNA? Yes, it's a big discovery, but for now they got to keep it a secret. Harold, don't you go tell anyone, goddammit. Yeah, because there's so many people around here to tell. In fact, there are fewer <laughs> people than there were just a few minutes ago. Um, um, the whole crew is now back on Deck 5. We're going to spend a lot of time on Deck 5 in this movie. Uh, yes. They're all locked and loaded, looking for Leppy. Uh, Books offers a gun to Dr. Cupcake. She protests and says, uh, you need a little more... Um, he says that you need a little more than a PhD to fight. So he's a little incensed from their their bad interaction interaction. It, well, it wasn't it, it was an interaction in that in that she <laughs> prevented an erection from Okay, well we know how dangerous those are. Uh but it's more moonlighting banter yeah. from the two of them. Why and, why is she in this scene at all? I mean, I get it thematically like she's one of the main characters in this movie. Uh she needs to be in every scene, but uh, logistically, why is the biologist going on a military recon mission with guns and uh, searching out a seek and destroy <laughs> to kill this thing? Yeah, you know, for someone who works for and was hired by Dr. Mittenhand, she spends very little time with Dr. Mittenhand or talking to At Dr. All. Mittenhand, doesn't even really seem to know what Dr. Mittenhand's deal is. Yeah. Um, but so their their search leads them to the waste disposal tank, which is uh, <laughs> full of flesh-eating bacteria, and it's mm-hmm. it's full of shit and flesh-eating bacteria that eat the shit. And so <laughs> the only way that they can look in there for the leprechaun is if they wear full protective gear. Yes, biohazard suits, basically made of hefty bags. Yeah, yeah, the almost comically, uh, comically bad, like the the huge, <laughs> massive face plates, and they've kind of just inflated up around them, and it, it looks like yeah, painters coveralls yeah. with a uh, dry cleaning bag on top. So it's Mooch and Books that are going in there. Doctor Doctor Cupcake says, you know, I can get you out. Uh, I can monitor you from here. Um, and then she, they cock their guns. She pulls the lever that opens the the waste disposal chamber unit door. Uh, the smoke machines start going, the, the, the colored lights start showing, 
10 minute Ladies timer and gentlemen, on smash mouth <laughs> oh sorry sorry yeah <laughs> say a 10 minute timer goes above the door and they enter their first round of laser tag oh late okay you were doing you weren't doing a concert joke you were doing a laser tag joke well but, but first first some bored teenager comes out and dutifully explains that you're not allowed to pistol whip people that is that is always a factor of laser tag but you can throw hot dogs at the band playing though <laughs> That's true. That's, that's I went from a laser tag joke to a smash mouth joke. <laughs> they were throwing bread at him that time that the guy freaked out, not hot dogs. <laughs> okay, hot dog buns. Yeah, okay, there you go. There you go. That's what you can throw <laughs> at the band. Okay. Um so anyway, they go in there in their protective gear and they immediately do the great tactical thing of splitting up and yeah. going off each on their own. And also, I just okay, so can we just I, I know we're taking a long time on this episode, but I want to just pause for the logic of this. They're walking through this industrial area. There's an entire ship that this tiny little creature could have gone to and they decide Let's go to one of the most secure areas that is the most dangerous and least likely place that a alien life form can survive on the ship. <laughs> yes. Let's go let's, spend time doing this. Let's go to the sealed off room filled <laughs> with bacteria that kill living organisms. Like to check if the monster is in there. If the monster is in there, then your problem is solved. You can assume that the monster is done for, but pull an armoire in front of the door to the waste disposal room. You're good. <laughs> You're done. Um, but, you know, joke's on us, because guess what? Lepi is actually in there. As we, we pan across this very tiny set, we see uh, we see Lepi in his own little tiny spacesuit. So, um, again, Leprechaun, magical, no limits on the magic, what he can do. He can conjure items out of thin air. Yep. But he needs a protective suit if he goes into a room full of flesh-eating bacteria. See, now, this is the only thing that I feel like watching the other movies would help you understand is that he takes pride. He enjoys this. He's like, I'm going to if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm not just going to go in there and phone it in. I'm going to, you know, I got to create my little space suit. I got to have my my box cutter. I got to. Think of ways that you would not be able to dispose of people except if you were in a waste disposal unit. He He's relishing every second of this. Okay, so for, for Leprechauns, like, do you think that his gold is basically style points? Like, whenever he kills someone <laughs> in a thematically appropriate way, he gets more gold? <laughs> it's quite possible. Okay, okay. Well, and look, and I can respect that. He's a craftsman, and he takes pride in his work. Um, and so he, you know, he eventually gets the drop on Mooch, and he pulls out his blade, his box cutter-looking mm-hmm. blade from his cane, and he slices the um, the suit open. And yep. a- as Books is dragging Mooch out, the leprechaun insists that they give him the princess back, or else he'll kill all of them. Um, <laughs> the first of many negotiations in this film... Yeah, well, he says, uh, well, the negotiation is uh, he demands the princess, and if they give it to her, he'll spare their miserable lives. So it's technically he will kill them, but he's offering, like, this is what you'll get. I'll spare your life. Instead That's of it. offering the threat, he's offering the salvation. That That's his opening offer in the negotiations. <laughs> yeah, you've got exactly. you've got you know like then they'll they'll haggle they'll haggle him down to to something better than that. But yeah, that's that's where he starts. <laughs> uh so books takes a few stray shots and leppy scurries off they escape well kind of uh well mooch doesn't (laughs) escape mooch is now a biology class skeleton covered in uh paste (laughs) tomato uh salsa 
And so are, are bones less susceptible to radiation and toxic waste? I thought like RoboCop got it right when like every fiber would just melt down to a thick goop. Well, I mean, I, it's a flesh-eating bacteria, so I think the flesh has been eaten and the bone is all that's left. Okay, all right. I mean, what about it's the not, marrow? Uh, well, I mean, that's but that's inside the bone. The bacteria mm. doesn't eat the bone, which is a shame because because marrow is delicious if you prepare it properly and you Gross. put some garlic butter in there. I well, okay, I'm I'm talking to the wrong audience about this, but all my marrow <laughs> heads at home know what we're talking about. Oh um, God! But we go uh, to the stra- strategy room. Yes, Metalhead is leading the team uh, into where Harold is already sitting. And, mm-hmm. um, okay, he's looking at these big tablets. We saw this tablet earlier. This is this metal thing uh, with a calculator attached to it. These yes. particular ones uh, are, like, basically accountant machines with <laughs> a pad of paper and a pen attached mm-hmm. to them. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know me and my, my keen eye for calendars and background stuff. Oh, I do. I do. They... <laughs> They look like, this is what I suspect happened on the set. Hey, we didn't remember that we needed to get pens, or they were using pens for script continuity, who knows what, all through the day, and they ran out of pens. Mm -hmm. So there's a pen on the one in the foreground, and they're like, well, we need to put something on the pads in the background. What's around here? Well, nothing. We just got back from lunch. There's the catering service table. Um, that's fine. Just grab some julienne red bell peppers and put them on there. <laughs> Wait, instead of pens, they put, I did not, I did not see this. They put just cut up bell peppers. I, I'm almost positive that's what it is. We obviously never get a close up shot of it, but I don't know what else that could be except julienne red bell peppers <laughs> I, I look i'm sure that there is a lore explanation for this maybe the princess's home planet or something like uh bell peppers are uh, uh their main export or so there's a lot of them on the ship i don't know there's <laughs> could be, could be. i mean i don't that's know it, it, they, they, yeah exactly it's a yes it's a bell pepper mine that's what's been <laughs> that's what that's been uh disrupted by the leprechaun uh it's it's like dune the bell peppers are like the spice the peppers must flow <laughs> Uh, do we also want to mention that this room is, for some reason, littered with art of, like, granite sculptures of headless men and women doing backwards it's, it's, stretches, like, jutting out their loins? Yeah, sexy mannequins, the likes of which were most likely taken from a lingerie shop in a seedy part of town. Yeah. Right. I um, I, I don't know. Like, just put it out there that that's what the room is full of, and don't think it, about it too much. Don't, don't think about anything in this movie too much. Okay, back to the story. Metalhead uh, you, wait, charges you can't in. say... You can't say don't think about anything in this movie too much when we are we are entering like hour two of talking about this movie. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. Oh yeah, we, okay. <laughs> we still have an hour to go. Um, okay, back to the story. Metalhead mm-hmm. grabs Harold by the collar and yells in his face to get the doctor on the screen. Doctor Mittenhand. Uh, Harold rolls his eyes. He is not susceptible to threats, and you know Harold is a skeevy dude, but I have to give him that. Like he has the confidence to stand up for himself. Yeah, yeah, he he is his own man. He he, <laughs> he bows to no one in the in the unclear command hierarchy of this ship. Mittenhand appears on the screen and says that he's been tracking uh, all of their mo- movements. He knows that Lepi will spare their lives if he'll give him the princess. And Metalhead uh, confirms that, you know, we've lost three already. It might be a good idea just to give him what the fuck he wants. Yep. Uh, Mittenhand, he says, no. This isn't uh, the princess is uh, part of an important experiment, and it means uh, that they have to kill the if they have to kill the creature again, the creature, not the leprechaun. Then so yes. be it. 
And and th- this is when it comes up again, uh, Metalhead reminding him, well, our contract is up at midnight. We don't work for you anymore. In a couple hours, we become free agents. <laughs> and then yeah. and then comes negotiations. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mittenhand is not pleased with this. Uh, you dare not obey me? The uh, the doors, they, oh, the yeah. doom doors slide open, and we get a reveal <laughs> of the real Dr. Mittenhand, no longer a face on a screen. Instead, he a- rolls, yes, rolls into the room. So picture, if you will, if you've seen Star Trek First Contact, and you remember the Borg Queen in that, how she's like got kind of a head and upper torso on top of a robo body. It's kind of that, but then if yeah. instead of a robo body, it's the like weird robo wheelchair that that Admiral Pike or Captain Pike is in in the second episode of Star Trek: The Original Series. <laughs> if you're if you're following yeah. my bit. Um, I, I'm following your bit, and I have questions about what this contraption he's actually, what he's on actually is. It's it's confounding. Uh, he's controlling I, it with like a joystick. Okay, so he he has a head, shoulders, and an arm. The rest is all machine. Yes, and he's he's got all kinds of like there's tubes and weird yeah. colorful liquids and organs in test tubes <laughs> pulsating and pumping and stuff. If I can go with the with the other uh, <laughs> with the other um, uh, franchise comparison here, it looks like he's a body like part. He looks like RoboCop outside of the RoboCop armor, attached to a donk droid or a gonk <laughs> droid from uh, Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes. There's he, he's so many different crossovers. Like he's all the worst crossovers of minor characters from franchises that no one ever would have crossed over. But he doesn't doesn't diminish his uh, confidence at all because this is the first time they see him. Even Harold hasn't seen him in full before, only on video screens because he's equally flummoxed by this appearance. And uh, Doctor Doctor M, he he sees what's going on and just nips it right in the bud. And he says, "I like to compare my think of myself as the Wizard of Oz, running things from behind a curtain." Yes. Yes, pay close attention to his wording there. It will be important later. Um, <laughs> the wizard. Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. It's not important to go into it in that level of detail. No. Uh, so uh, he, but yeah, so he comes out, explains that he's controlling the ship and everything in it, and that he will not let them leave, and that the fine print on their contract uh, contract means that he can extend their contract whenever he wants to. He and has he, the right to extend their contract in the case of an emergency, and if they do not agree, they will be tried for mutiny and shot. Okay, so many questions. <laughs> yes. Who would agree to that in stipulation in a contract? One. Two, yeah. he's a scientist, not a military guy, so why does he have the ability to try them for mutiny? Also, if you're just going to execute them, there's really no trial there. Yeah, where do you get the money? Also, like, who's funding Dr. Mittenhand? Where is this coming from? Has he got a yeah. grant? <laughs> What, what, where's his know. marine budget coming from? But he <laughs> he t- he he makes them this offer though, and says that he will pay if they kill the leprechaun for him. He will pay each of them one hundred times what they were being paid before, and everybody accepts. <laughs> but then, Where, where's the money coming from? Yeah, there's so many questions with this. Yeah, 
but then but then the sergeant steps forward and in a moment that I really really li- like on a character level like I get that this is a bad movie and it's all just a goof on a character level I really like this the sergeant stepped forward and insisted that no if we kill the leprechaun we all become shareholders in your operation we get 5% of the gross profits of everything from the leprechaun's cave and an extra point for everything over the value of 15 million dollars as a bonus and then he and Mittenhand haggle back and forth down to 3% but I just love that all of the troops were ready to take the lump sum payout, but their commanding officer was like, no, I want to make sure my men get long-term profits out of this. I want... <laughs> like, that he's he, he's like a really good agent. I, I liked that. Uh, I I tend to agree with you. I thought that was kind of a fun, fun moment. And Dr. Mittenhand is just fucking insane. He even ends it with, like... So he's he's successfully negotiated him down or up to 3% additional on top of the bonus and then has the audacity to threaten him. <laughs> and one more thing, if I lose any more of my men, your ass is grass. If you if even you... have an ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, this is when when you're negotiating, don't make empty threats. And this is an empty threat because <laughs> a bunch more of his men die, spoiler alert, yep. and and Dr. Mittenhand's ass does not become grass. No. Call me if you need me. Then we we cut to the stairwell. Now, you might be asking yourself, hey, have we seen this stairwell before? And the answer is, yes, we saw the stairwell, but it was a catwalk when Dolores was walking to and from the rec room to go make out with Kowalski. Now it has stairs. And Movie magic. You're, you're wondering, will we see the stairwell again? Uh, there are 55 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which means three hours left in this podcast. Oh gosh. Um, uh, we we will see it about twenty five percent more uh, the, of the runtime. The 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 t- the TV documentary The Staircase had fewer staircase <laughs> scenes than uh, the last fifty five minutes of Leprechaun Four in Space. Uh, Metalhead uh, tells Sticks and Danny Boy go take the sub levels. Books and Doctor Cupcake. You can take the engine room and everything around it. Technically, isn't everything around? the engine room like what are the parameters uh, yeah. on that <laughs> yeah also also he's pairing up but like everyone else it's like two marines but then books it's like marine and an unarmed scientist lady books is getting the <laughs> right. short end of the stick on this uh definitely and uh they all go take off into their their various uh missions here Leppy is watching from around the corner and uh he's listening in on their plans scheming and plotting and when the team breaks, uh, he goes into another soliloquy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I love. It's a very, like, I do think that actors are auditioning with the soliloquies from Leprechaun 4 in space. I, I was thinking of getting into community theater here. I would 100%. Uh, okay, I'm going to do my audition for you right now with the soliloquy, if you will. <clears throat> okay, okay, yes, yes. I'm Okay, I, we're ready for you uh, any, whenever, whenever you're ready, Mr. Solano. Okay, my name is Landon Solano. The date is 6-7-2021. Here we go. Stout heart of the brave. It seems almost a pity to kill them. But the path to power is often soiled with innocent blood, and I will let nothing stop me from becoming a king. I'll have power and glory and a beautiful queen to share it with. Share. Now there's a word that lies crooked upon me. The very sound of it sends my teeth to grate and conjures up pictures of me gold being carted off to pay for feminine pleasures, leaving me with less than what I want. And what I want is everything. 
I'll wed her, bed her, and bury her all in the same day. I wonder if her father will pay for the wedding and the funeral. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, thank you uh, so much, Mr. Solano. Uh, we will uh, let you know. Um, just one thing, you are aware that you're auditioning for a production of a chorus line, correct? I mean, most of the other people coming in did a song or... Um, <laughs> A reading that wasn't from the movie Leprechaun Four in Space. I I don't know if <laughs> you're oh my aware God, of you're this. Actually, you're giving me truly painful flashbacks to the auditioning process of life. I, I, I heard I, I heard that you were thinking about going into community theater, and I had to I had to nip that in the bud. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> Yeah, it's um so it's great, you know, more more scenery chewing from the from the for a movie where the plot is pretty simple and you know exactly what's going on. The filmmakers nonetheless f- give the leprechaun a lot of time to explain exactly what he's up to and why he's I, doing it. I love it cuz Warwick Davis is actually he's he's a fantastic actor he's and he really good. Get, he's really he doesn't good. get much to do in all of these movies and in, obviously in the Star Wars movies he's under the Ewok makeup. And, mm. you know, in the Harry Potter movies, you know, he plays Professor Flitwick, which he has moments, but he's never given dialogue to chew on, uh, yeah. except for in these movies. And so now now we get to see him, you know, emote a little bit. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice seeing him, you know, <laughs> chew on the part and have a little bit of fun. <laughs> Like it's nice when a guy when when you're looking at a a little person dressed up as a leprechaun, one of the most demeaning things that you can make a little person do as an actor, you can at least kind of take joy in the fact that well, he's really having fun in the part and is he, he seriously empowering yeah, he the role. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why he did um seven of them because he's like I don't want to let somebody else take over the character. Uh, it was only once he had kids that he's like, yeah, I'm going to take a break from horror films until my kids are a little bit older uh, and they can, you know, uh, see me in some of these things. I want to do movies for them. So he went and did the Harry Potter movies instead. I, I'd l- I'd love to hear him deliver a uh, uh, ribald soliloquy about the pressures of fatherhood <laughs> and, and uh, trying to be a good role model to your kids. Um, so Sticks and Danny, they're in the yes. sub levels and they're sweeping the area. Uh, only thing that happens here is Leppy's in the shadows, flicks his hand and and turns off their um, tracking device. Yep. Um, uh, uh, and Debbie I Dunning. guess it's worth. Well, I guess it's worth saying too that Danny. This is once they're alone now. Danny starts to show a little bit of a cowardice and says, "You know, why don't we sit this one out and wait uh, for the rest of the team to find him and kill him? There's no sense risking our lives uh, for that Doctor Mittenhand guy." And Six is like, are you fucking kidding me? This is about doing our job, asshole. Sticks um, Sticks is the moral center of this movie. Sticks is constant, like he's a hard worker. He builds up his friends when they're flirting. <laughs> like he uh, yep. he's he's just he's a good dude. I like Sticks. <laughs> uh, in the engine room, books and Doctor Cupcake uh, sweep the area. Books says that she should wait, and she says, "The fuck I will," uh, and goes first. Why I don't I don't know I don't get it he doesn't get it no one gets it but uh, yeah <laughs> as she goes up the stairs he checks her out anyway yes yeah gratuitous butt shot uh, this is one of those moments when I was like oh, okay I was waiting for the movie to get porny and it's starting to, <laughs> it's uh, starting to. but then it didn't and there's a <laughs> there's a moment later on that oh you there's get your, you get your pony porn, there's porny a moment. moment yeah my po- my pony moment for my birthday yeah, um, yes. So then we get Debbie Dunning and uh, Metalhead uh, off looking around in well, their own corner of the ship. 
Well, we can talk about it because it's it's really nothing. But there's a very important moment that happens in, back in the laboratory. Uh, the test tubes and experiments are overflowing. Harold is dealing with the the sequencing of the the princess's DNA. Uh, he has uh, done. He's created a serum with it, I guess. And Doctor Mittenhand is there. Apparently, there's no more qualms about like, okay, the veil has been lifted. You see what I look like, so we're gonna work side by side now. Uh, yeah. And scrapes some of the skin off of Dr. Mittenhand's thumb and uh, squirts it into this liquid. And a Mittenhand thumb regrows on, on the, the Petri dish. You're damn right it does. Uh, so that gives you an idea of what Dr. Mittenhand's after. But I have a Growing question. Back some so- <laughs> yes. It's all pretty clear, okay. Landon. I don't know what you got to ask about. <laughs> He hits it with this violet, ultraviolet beam, and it grows his finger back, right? He's brilliant. He does this whole thing. Okay, so, okay. He regrows a thumb from shavings from his thumb. If he had let it go further, would it have grown a full hand, and thus an arm, and thus a second Dr. Mitten hand? Or how does the science work? Do they need samples from every part of Dr. Mitten hand's body to grow each one individually? What, what's the long-term plan here? I mean, maybe maybe he was just going to submerge what's left of his body into it, and then it would just grow the rest of his mm. body out downwards from from his upper torso. I mean, that's what I would you're, do in you're this a, situation. You're a smart man. Yeah, you would you would do dive into that serum like uh, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck diving into his gold vault. Well, look, much like Dr. Reeves, you know, I believe that intelligence is relative to uh, the surrounding circumstances. But yes, I am. I am a smart man. Thank you, Lance. And I've given this movie quite a lot of thought. And nothing says nothing lets people know you're intelligent, like clearly giving a lot of thought to Leprechaun 4 in space. Um, okay. Uh, Metalhead and Dolores, they are searching the area. Lepi's watching them from the shadows. Um, and Dolores is nice to confide in... Metalhead she, she, in this moment, yeah, she she's clear. Okay, uh, more more like uh, Debbie Dunning, I would say, gets more uh, legitimate chances to do real acting and like find fun in the role in this than Patricia Richardson did in all three hours of Undue Influence because <laughs> she kind of like gets gets you know says Sarge, you know, do you think it's my fault about what happened to Kowalski? What do you mean? Well, I mean. I'm the one that gave him a boner and all. And, <laughs> and the like kind of like sheepish, slightly embarrassed way that she says it. It's just like there's layers yeah. of new. This is not I mean, look, yeah, no, no one's getting an Academy Award, but like there's layers of nuance to this conversation they're having she, about the guilt yeah. she feels for giving a dude a boner. Well, and she also knows the movie she's in and delivers it exactly as it needs to be delivered. She's not over serious about it. She doesn't just phone it in and throw it away. It's it's played as you know the character as genuine as the character can feel it and yeah. um why are we talking so much about a line referencing a boner i don't know uh, but, but well because, because it was my nickname at the beginning of this episode that's why landon you you <laughs> oh, made fair. us think about it <laughs> we're talking about you i get it yes of course I, it's all about me um <laughs> so uh, that books and reeves are searching some more when the leprechaun materializes a pair of handcuffs onto books and traps them mm-hmm. against a shelf and then the leprechaun threatens to burn him alive, but Books starts shooting at him with his gun, and then yep. takes altogether too long to realize that he can use his gun to shoot the handcuffs off, the magical <laughs> handcuffs that are apparently not bulletproof. 
Um, <laughs> and then he uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then he and Reeves escape up a chain uh, and narrowly escape the flames that uh, the leprechaun summons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. Like, what happened to the stairs you were just on? Why not just take the stairs to the next level? Why risk your lives taking this chain like it's like like it's that uh, in Adam's family when they're going to the vault and they're pulling in all the different ch- chains and they get sucked into the thing? I don't know. I, I think like I, a, I think why risk your life? Well, because he's trying to impress Doctor Reeves, and uh, nothing Fair like a point. nothing like a chain oriented escape to make you look cool, and it seems to work because then then she says, "Oh, you saved my life," and he says, "I'm just doing my job," and she says, "You're pretty good with that rifle," and no, he's not because he was shooting at the leprechaun with the rifle a lot and was not hitting him. <laughs> uh, I and, this and, chemistry, man, it's it's like a sixth grade volcano experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "Well, maybe I could show you how to use it sometime," which. <laughs> Is both a lame innuendo, but also another reference to the bit in Aliens where uh, Ripley learns how to use the pulse rifle, uh, courtesy of Hicks. Wait, no, was Hicks? Yeah, Hicks. So um, Hicks sticks. I think I get where they got the name oh, now. Oh well, look, there's there one of the minor Marines in Aliens is named Spunkmeyer, and if ever there was going to be a movie that would take advantage of a name like that, it would be Leprechaun Four in Space. So I'm surprised that they used that much restraint. <laughs> yeah, so then we we get uh we get Danny and Sticks again and they have an encounter with the leprechaun and uh basically like Danny abandons Sticks and runs off on his own. <laughs> yep. Uh and okay, so <laughs> Danny this is where we get one of uh, the leprechaun's uh, fanciful kills. Uh, a video monitor appears, and Leppy's there in a hard hat, and he's doing basically a safety video. Yes, um, it just starts playing uh, fanciful, fully, fancifully, fancifully. I'm having a stroke right now. That's um, okay. That just yeah. Look, man, what you do in what you do in your own time is your own <laughs> business. Just don't tell me about it. <laughs> Uh, saying you need to be aware of sharp objects, and as he says that, he cuts off two of his fingers uh, Why? with some scissors. Well, because, <laughs> and then he sets he sets his blood on fire. Uh, and you got to be aware of flammable objects. Sets the middle finger on fire. Um, and then from behind Danny, Leppy, the real Leppy, starts uh, singing, Oh, Danny boy. Um, and, and it's just, all of this, it's very elaborate. He's projecting himself onto a screen, Engaging mm-hmm. in self-harm, wearing a hard hat. Why? No, this doesn't really tie into how the kill happens. Um, no, it's not. I'm telling you, it's, he just he take he relishes the moment. He he knows how to live, laugh, and love. Yeah. <laughs> he you know, actually, that's why that's the source of his pot of gold is that he patented the phrase <laughs> live, laugh, love. Every time every time some white lady comes home from Bed Bath and Beyond with a, a new wall hanger, uh that that's that's money straight into the leprechaun's pocket. Uh Danny he's like, Okay, listen, man, I don't have any qualms with you. Just take the fucking princess and let's get the fuck out of here. That's you know, we can we can make a make a deal. I you know, I just wanna live. I don't give a shit what you want. And Lepre is like, okay, well, I guess we could be partners if I could trust you. Uh, why don't you come over here so that we can I can see your face? And um, as he approaches, uh, Lepi hits a button, and a seven trillion ton Kate crate falls from the sky and and smashes Danny. I and again for a magical creature, 
not a particularly fanciful kill, I have to say. <laughs> it's a glorified industrial accident. Uh, that's true. We yes. go back to the infirmary. The princess is lying on the table. Her blood is being drawn by Harold. Dr. M rolls in, and uh, Harold's prepared the sequence. Uh, Dr. M has calculated the formula. Very technical scientific terms here. Um, I, when he's... They, they, have, they have briefly occasion to talk about how Dr. Mittenhand wound up in his present condition, talking about how yeah. he's part of an experiment to create the first computer with an organic structure, and Harold goes... But then something went wrong, and Mittenhand goes, <laughs> No, Harold, it all went according to plan. Of course it went wrong! Look at me! Which is just a complete Sophia Petrillo Golden Girls joke right there. Like, Harold is Rose. It's, it's really good. It's, it's oh really good. Oh my god, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we get the, we get the like the the inner motivation of Doctor M here, where uh, he, he yearns to rejoin the human race. He was once considered dashing, uh, but then the experiment. He says, "I would have been the first computer with an organic structure." And then immediately, I was like, "Wait, were you a computer trying to become an organic structure, and then the yeah. experiment went awry, or were you a human trying to improve your?" intelligence through computers and that went awry i i think he's actually a computer <laughs> it it yeah it becomes a real chicken and egg question but yeah i guess if <laughs> yeah suddenly wow that you're right i hadn't thought about it that way but that does that does add a lot of like new depth to mittenhand's <laughs> character realizing that oh he's a uh, like he he's never been a human he tried to become human and he became this horrible halfway point that is that is <laughs> you know, a pain and, and torture to exist as. Yeah. I mean, well, that, it speaks a lot to the, the sophistication of the artificial intelligence. Then if he, if he just yearns to be beautiful and actually feels torture at his appearance, I, I think what really speaks to the sophistication of his artificial intelligence is the fact that he gets completely worked over by a leprechaun in space. Like, <laughs> if he was really that great of a computer, one would think he would have been able to outfox the leprechaun. I, I'm not—to take nothing away from the leprechaun, I'm just saying I think there are maybe more fearsome killing machines out there that you would have, you know, well, could, I mean, could have could've... been beaten by. It, you're completely right. I mean, it was just a roll of the dice, and he happened to get Leprechaun instead of Jason Voorhees. Yeah, or or and both were equally possible. <laughs> he, he got, but if only he'd, uh, if only he'd, his dice roll had led him to Rumpelstiltskin instead. I, he, I think he would have come out ahead in this. This movie <laughs> would have been a. He, he's back in '97, or he was back in uh, the 1400s. So at no point would he have crossed paths with Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin, if he were on the spaceship, would just be spending so much time being freaked out by all the technology aboard it. He wouldn't, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't even have time for a soliloquy. Uh, that's true. Uh, but he took the he took the te technology pretty well. By he became a trucker in that movie. <laughs> he mm -hmm. rode a mi motorcycle. He took on sunglasses and smoking cigars. Okay, okay. Well, you know what he he adjusted he adjusted to the times pretty quickly. I guess you know I guess <laughs> the movie could be kind of a you know coming of age thing about him just getting up to speed with the future stuff. Kind of an Austin Powers situation, really. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, we cut back to a corridor. Uh, the crew is the tracking device looking for Leprechaun. Uh, they get a they get a, a beep, and uh, this time Dolores is up. Why do you keep sending in one person at a time? I, again, I have another. I, I just I keep noting every time. This is terrible XCOM tactics. This is not how you win. 
and and where are they sending her? That's right, the catwalk slash stairwell that we've already seen five times. It, it's um, this this is a this uh, spaceship is about as large as my apartment. There are only like four <laughs> rooms you can be in. Uh, Leprechaun Lepi is in the shadows. He moves his hands, and the door shuts behind her, closing her off from the crew. Um, he approaches her and taunts her, and, but she, she's like, I love this moment. This is like the quintessential Dolores Debbie Dunning badass moment. He yeah. starts to taunt her and she like, doesn't even let him finish the sentence. She just blows his head off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He explodes. No shit. <laughs> just, just shooting him again and again and again. Like a gif just, of that also for shooting. Right in the head. <laughs> explosion in the shoulders. Explosion in the abdomen. Explosion. <laughs> Until it's it's like, just like the stumps of his feet there. It's like when Peter Weller gets killed at the beginning of RoboCop, just every different part of his body exploding. And she then walks over and crouches by his blown apart corpse. And for one second, I was genuinely worried she was going to piss on his body and start the whole cycle over again. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It was just like, I was just like, she walked and she crouches out. I'm like, wait, what what are you doing? Why are you getting so close? You're not going to do. Is that just a thing that Marines do? Space Marines do that for sure. Yes, um, in, in no, space, no one can hear you pee. Uh, go on. Some some black smoke comes up from his legs, and uh, Lepi regenerates real quick. Flips her over the side of the catwalk. Uh, she's hanging on by a thread, and uh, he smashes her. Her, you know, this little piggy went to market. Uh, smashes her fingers, and she falls. And if you're wondering, did she actually die because we didn't see her fall? The answer to no. that is. They didn't have the budget to show her fall. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have the budget to show her dangling over a green screen pretty pretty clearly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so the Marines burst in. He runs off through an air vent, and then they the Marines go down. Well, we presume that they go down. De- they wind up finding Debbie Dunning's body, yeah. so presumably they have gone down a staircase to this other room that looks a lot like the first room. And they... <laughs> All are like genuinely saddened by her death and are all gathered around and having this sorrowful moment. And then she lunges up and she grabs Dr. Reeves and with her last breath just says, kill him, and then (laughs) dies. And that's and that's a wrap on Debbie Dunning. And let's give her a hand, folks, because she like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is (laughs) like she they I don't know. She really got her due in this. She got to be a badass. She. You know, she, I mean, she didn't kill the leprechaun, but she'd blow the fuck out of him with a gun. And she, then she got, she killed him once. Uh, he's just, he, he has infinite lives. He can live, you know, uh, he's eternal as the sun, as he said. So uh, I, I, I wasn't paying enough attention to the soliloquy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's died. Uh, and she's one of the times that he, that he died. So I'd say she killed him for sure. Yeah. And she gets, and she gets a really good, like warrior's death. So, yeah, you know, uh, this movie, I was so, I mean, I again, yeah, she's scampering around in her bra, and she's concerned about having killed a guy by giving him a boner, but in addition to that, she's a really <laughs> badass, you know, fighter and ass kicker, and I, I just, I didn't think she was going to get this good of treatment in this movie, so my hat goes <laughs> off to you, Leprechaun 4 in space, my hat goes off to you, Debbie Dunning. 
and then uh, what I, I like the little touch that Metalhead uh, takes a moment and he he's you can see he's really upset whenever he loses someone and he just gives her everyone else walks off and he stays back and just gives her a salute. God yeah. damn, Leprechaun, I'm going to take, you know, that's his inner monologue uh, is getting more angry <laughs> by the moment. His his PTSD is intensifying. <laughs> uh, we cut back to the lab. Uh, the the serum is ready. He's uh, Harold's giving it to uh, putting it in a syringe and about to give it to Dr. Mittenhand. And um, at the smell of it, Le- Leppy's just kind of sauntering the hallways at this point, and he can He's smell just wandering the around serum. bored. Yeah. <laughs> he can smell the serum, and so he, he heads to the lab. Uh, yeah, and we get a ding-dong, like, legit, <laughs> like, the door at the tailor's house, and, and, and Dr. Mittenhand is just, oh, Harold, did you get the door? And just the, the movie is fast becoming farce. And Harold goes to open the door. He turns on the video screen and he sees a nude Dr. Reeves out there saying, they tore off my clothes, let me in. And he goes to disable the security camera and then we, or the security door. And then we cut to nude Dr. Reeves in the hallway, you know, covered. And then she turns to the camera with this mischievous smile and is speaking in the leprechaun's voice to the camera about the ruse that she's pulling. Thank you. Thank you. You saved my life. Oh, which I mean, I think that's probably a fetish at this point. Like leprechaun core, <laughs> there's people who are who are getting getting horny for sexy ladies with leprechaun there's voices. A, there's a fetish for everything, um, and and, and all and all of them are represented in the movie Leprechaun Four in space. <laughs> it's true. The door slides open. Uh, Harold doesn't see anyone. Then Leppy springs to action and hits him in the nuts. Uh, didn't yep. see it immediately what it was uh, <laughs> that he hit him with, but. He grabs his nuts, um, and he says, make way for the king as he enters the room and starts inquiring about the princess uh, as he comes upon Dr. Mittenhand. My, you my are no- the monster? You? <laughs> it, it, oh, listen, uh, the leprechaun and Dr. Mittenhand meeting for the first time has real Robert De Niro and Al Pacino having coffee together in heat vibes to it. <laughs> like, these two these two titans meeting for the first time. Yes. The, the, the electric... You know, electricity crackles throughout this scene. Uh, they have a volley of words, and Leppy makes fun of his Zamboni. What I still don't know what this thing is that he's riding around on. I mean, Zamboni um, is a good word for it. <laughs> meanwhile, um, Harold is writhing around on the floor with this nightstick, a clamp. What what is it that's on his dick? I don't know. So so but, he so the leprechaun hit him in the crotch with his little walking stick that has the knife in it, and then oh, I guess he hit him so hard that it stick. stuck there. But then yeah. Harold as he's wrestling gets, with it. Yeah. yeah, and he pulls it out of his crotch and gets up and then extends the knife on it and starts sneaking up behind the leprechaun. Oh, okay. So I see. It would make sense. The walking stick has the knife in it, and the knife is what he slashed uh, Mooch's suit with. And so, okay, all of this makes sense now. So Doctor Mittenhand and Leppy start to negotiate. Uh, he says more, uh, more, more of the more of the constant negotiations in this movie. <laughs> Uh, Mittenhand says, uh, you know, hey, we're quite similar. Uh, Leppy says, well, if he's so dang darn smart, then he knows that he can't give him what he wants. And um, Dr. Mittenhand basically tells Leprechaun that his dreams are dumb. So they they come to an impasse. 
<laughs> yeah, the, again, be, really poor negotiation tactics on display here. They show this in business schools as an example of what not to do. Um, but then, but this has all just been stalling on Doctor Mittenhand's part, so we can so we can let Harold get into position. Uh, Harold stabs the knife walking stick through the leprechaun's chest, and mm-hmm. then the leprechaun just turns around and telekinesis Harold backwards into a wall and then telekinesis is a metal plate straight at his face and just smashes Harold right in his dumb idiot face. Uh, yes. His face smushes. What's the yes. trace falls is his face has been smushed like a garbage pail kid or it's, like, it... do you see that disturbing Saturday Night Live sketch where they were, <laughs> were pretending to be the Charlie Brown characters? Uh, n- no, I did not, but I well, immediately this is know what it what looks like. Mean. I mean, it, I the note that I had is it looks like the the uh, the moon in the old like silent film, like the trip oh, to the God. moon. The, yeah, yeah, like the that. George Melee, yeah, which it's a, is one of my my nightmare images. I hate. I love that movie. I hate that image. I don't know why it is so unsettling to me. And and people say that horror can't be set in space. I rest my case, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, but I also. Very, very convincing makeup effect. It looks pretty mm-hmm. damn good for uh for how low the budget for this movie is. Um. <laughs> so and uh, then he Harold presumably fall he comically slides to the ground presumably dead. Um. And one would, goes back one would to, expect <laughs> goes back to Mittenhand, who uh, he says now it's time to be punished. We cut to him a second later. He has a ball gag in his mouth and yes. is. One hand is handcuffed to one of the tubes on him, and Lepi is, uh, he's rescued the princess, and he's grabbing all of these insects that we thought were just set decoration earlier. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> tarantulas, scorpions, and he's putting it uh, into a blender with the serum, uh, and then puts it into a syringe. Why, why would you take tarantulas and scorpions into space the best thing about space is that spiders aren't there why would you take spiders into (laughs) space except for the spiders from mars i guess but other than that there's no spiders in space i say we keep it that way um (laughs) Um, so okay the tension is ramping up here the crew uh they they've somehow discovered that the leprechaun is in the lab they start running across the same damn catwalk they ran across before um leprechaun we're doing some cross-cutting here yeah. Uh, he injects the serum to the back of uh, back of Dr. Mittenhand's head. Uh, we yeah. cut to the corridors. The crew is running towards the lab, so you know that things are coming to a head. We cut mm-hmm. back to the lab. Close-up of Dr. M's beating heart and a beaker and some juice and some rosemary marinade. I don't know what was going on there exactly. Uh, it, it, it looks delicious. Whatever, whatever they're making, it's going to taste <laughs> great. Um, we cut back to the corridors. The crew is running really hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> Got back yeah. to the lab, uh, and um, let's see if we can't get this through your sk- uh, thick skull. And he literally injects the the needle into his head. Uh, Doctor Mittenhand starts shaking all over the place. The crew busts in, and the second shootout occurs. Yes, the the you know the leprechaun is still got his space gun and is shooting back at them. They're shooting at the leprechaun. This is again. <laughs> Again, like XCOM, people taking cover and shooting at each other and trading <laughs> fire and trying to find new positions. This this movie was shooting for a this movie was trying to do a Spaceballs style take on aliens, and they wound up doing a Spaceballs style take on XCOM. Uh, but they 
at one point, the, so then finally the leprechaun takes the princess and retreats into like this closet yeah. or or other room next there, and uh, Sticks goes running up to the door with his grenade and is about to chuck it in, but Reeves grabs his hand and says, "No, no, no, you uh, can't." Excuse me, it's an egg. It's an egg. Yeah, okay. Wants to throw <laughs> wants to throw the blow up fighty explodey egg in there, and, <laughs> and but but she won't let him and says, "We can't just start killing innocent people." And I just noted that the Marines and Leprechaun Four officially have more restraint and professionalism than basically any <laughs> law enforcement agency in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> like that they're like oh okay yeah evil leprechaun oh but we got to be very careful about not shooting innocent people i mean it's like well okay good you know good honestly if they had had fewer qualms about this would be one case where i would be willing to accept some civilian casualties if it means we get rid of the the leprechaun but <laughs> and it's not oh even well. a civilian i guess there is the whole you know diplomatic incident uh that could occur by killing royalty uh but other than that i mean they're not losing much in terms of a hostage here it's just no, I, the the evil princess yeah the evil princess who hates everybody um <laughs> so they they go in there and finally at last they they you know all four people go into the room they don't just send one yeah. person in alone but they go metalhead, in yeah so this yeah. Uh, who's left of the crew is metalhead books sticks and uh dr reeves yes and yeah they run into this storage room chamber i don't know what this is exactly uh <laughs> just just a, a low budget room yes and, just um, a, just the production closet basically <laughs> the princess immediately comes out and uh demands that uh that they bow before her um she's uh you know she's the future queen you buttholes so yeah. obey me <laughs> and, and uh she okay yeah well i'm gonna let you cover this this is I'm I'm well worn in this territory of horror films, so I'm going to let you you cover this one. This this happens in a lot of horror films. Okay, okay. I, I guess I'm I, I guess I got to watch more horror movies. This, so the strained logic of of getting someone topless. Yes, that happens so, in almost oh, every horror movie. So she has, uh, you know, she has distracted them, and without them knowing, the leprechaun has hypnotized the sergeant and covered him in bombs, essentially taking him as a hostage, and. Mm-hmm. They are pointing their guns at them, and the leprechaun and the princess basically tell them, fuck off, we're taking this guy. And before they leave, the princess unhooks her metal bikini top and shows them her boobs and basically says, you know, look on these in despair because I'm the future queen. Um, Very long shots of her topless uh, just showing her boobs to everyone. I I have to say... I don't. I, I don't know. I don't want to be uh, crude about this. I, I've seen. I've seen better uh, boobs shoehorned into a movie. With all due respect to this actress, uh, I've just. I wasn't. You know, in terms of gratuitous toplessness, this is not my favorite gratuitous toplessness scene. Um, all right. I, but I, at this I moment, know we're, we're, I, I know we're long, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this, except to say that this was absolutely shoehorned in here by the uh, producer's insistence that the movie had to have nudity before they could release it Mm, and mm. this was actually i i thought in terms of how do you fit gratuitous nudity into a movie that has no real room for it making such a ludicrous thing that (laughs) it's a cultural thing on another planet that if a person of royal dominion blood shows you their breasts it's a death sentence yeah so 
interesting lore. Very, they, they gave it a lore explanation. And also, the way that they do it, I mean, I've seen gratuitous toplessness in horror movies where it is generally, like, the woman is restrained in some way and her top is ripped off and she's screaming and, and a victim. Here she's very much in control, choosing to do it, like, using her body for mm-hmm. power and so well, i mean it's a very is, who, i don't know what this backstory is of the movie the, the character i mean i don't know i'm just i'm just saying the yeah the 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 character the way that it's written the way that this character and the way that it's presented it's not her being exploited it is her doing this to basically do a direct challenge to them so for and, like and our boob talking timer has run out oh no <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, I guess that's our next episode of, of Gruntwork Nights, then I know what we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, but okay, Leppy, but, but it's, a, it's, has, a, it's a yeah. real, it's a real, say goodbye to these, Michael, moment from Arrested Development. <laughs> uh, Leppy has uh, Metalhead under his uh, hypnotic control now and completely mm-hmm. done up uh, in C4 and dynamite, all explosives strapped around his body. And they escape uh, with him in tow, uh, hypnotized. They leave this area. uh, And Dr. Reeves explains the the lore behind this about why they're they're in deep shit. Although it doesn't, they're not in deep shit. It never comes back. No, it does not not mean anything. No. Um, (laughs) They they go through the lab and Dr. M's, I want to say, mobile keynote podium. (laughs) <laughs> is smoldering. Uh, yes. The ball gag is just sitting on top of it. He's presumably melted to death in some sort of primordial soup. Um, yeah, he's definitely not going to come back. I'm just going to assume that he's dead. Going to be like, there's no way that he could come back. That, I, I'm sure that that serum just killed him and didn't transform him in any Absolutely. way. Absolutely. That's uh, that's a trope of horror movies for sure. Is the the guy that you think is dead is always dead. Uh, so they, uh, the leprechaun and the princess and uh, metalhead hip- under hypnosis go to the entertainment <clears throat> lounge, and shortly thereafter, the marines chase them in there and go looking mm-hmm. around for him, and they can't find anybody. And then on the stage, suddenly the uh, metalhead comes out in drag uh, and a wig <laughs> and makeup and heels and everything, and with twirling a purse around on his finger and starts suing, doing a big song and dance number. Oh and, boy, does he ever. <laughs> and and I and my note here is, I have to say that this movie has really gone off the rails, and I never thought I'd say that about a movie called Leprechaun 4 in space. Like the, <laughs> it, in, Insofar as this movie was ever on rails, it has now gone off of them. <laughs> space rails. That's one yeah. thing about Brian Trenchard Smith is like, he always knows where to push it in directions that you never expect. Yes, yes. I, you know, it was it was a thrill ride every step of the way. <laughs> um, so Metalhead is is kind of like punching them and fighting with them while still doing this dance and this drag character, and the soldiers are all torn because of their genuine affection for this man. They don't want to shoot him, and uh, meanwhile, we we find the leprechaun and the princess watching this and eating eating bar peanuts <laughs> yes it's space bar peanuts and, space bar peanuts and in the course of this conversation we begin space to develop bar space peanuts uh yeah space well no space bar space peanuts are the space peanuts that are sitting on the space bar of your computer oh, um my bad <laughs> uh so but that we we get this dynamic developing between the leprechaun and uh the princess now where it's clear that they both really hate each other and she mentions in an aside that now she 
Like, in the same way that the leprechaun has mentioned previously that his plan is to kill the princess after marrying her because he can't stand her. Now, the princess also is saying that now she plans to kill the leprechaun after the wedding. I don't know why, like, if she doesn't want to, like, if she's going to kill him, then why marry him in the first, you're already royal blood. Like, you don't need the leprechaun to be part of this equation. But I still have to admit, they have more sexual chemistry than books and Dr. Reeves do. I, this is very true. This is very true. Both of them are doing, both of them are doing really good, uh, good work here. Um, um, but he gets, he brings up his concern. He's like, okay, well, fuck you. I just want to know where my gold is. And she's like, oh, I thought I heard them say something that it's in a place called Cargo Bay. Uh, and he's like, really? Okay, goodbye. And he, he's off. Um, mm-hmm. and we cut back to the dance routine where, uh, Metalhead is kind of caressing um, all of the, the Marines until he busts out a pair of nunchucks and starts mm-hmm. attacking them. So just to sum that up, we have a drag routine with a man in a Metalhead doing nunchucks yes. to Marines I... and a biologist. And then we, and then we cut from Under that disco to lights. Doctor... Yes. <laughs> And we then cut from that to Dr. Mittenhand transforming quite grotesquely into a half-man, half-spider concoction that he deems Mitten Spider, which is... Oh, no, no, no. Now, we got to give this its due. <laughs> we have creature vision first, and then as he works his way up, uh, we, we start to see him, and he starts to talk to himself. He has to work fast because his brain is mutating. I am no longer... Dr. Mittenhand, I am now Mitten Spider. <laughs> yes, that yeah. People wouldn't have gotten the the people wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. It may it is it is clearer now. The the transformation to Mitten Spider, though, is remarkably ooky and effective. Like the practical effects on this are pretty good. Uh agreed. And they only get more impressive uh as the sequence goes on. Um They've uh, managed to knock Metalhead out, and when he awakens, he's kind of a case, it's like a dual personality thing. He's kind of fighting with, uh, you know, his hypnosis of being under uh, this drag show and being himself, uh, but he continues to attack them. He now has a Civil War bayonet that has magically appeared next to him, uh, and he starts stabbing them. So he's presenting, like, a legitimate threat to them now. Yes, and so then, you know, he charges at them with the bayonet, they jump out of the way, and he plunges the bayonet into a wall outlet and manages to electrocute himself, and... Uh, his head explodes. Yes. <laughs> but not in a uh, sinewy, bloody mess. Uh, it explodes into a band of sparks and wires. Yes, and, the Triton and don't... was a cyborg the whole time. And and when Landon said band of sparks, he wasn't referring to the popular band sparks from the 80s. <laughs> He he nope. means just sparks come out of his head, um, but yeah, he was a robot all along, much and, like well, uh, the band sparks could come out of his head because he was a sidebar, and I would imagine that he has the ability to play the entire library of music uh, that's ex- existed before twenty ninety six. Yes, and the band Sparks was actually pioneering in a lot of electronic music, and Dr. Mittenhand, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Metalhead is primarily electronic, so it it fits. Um. And also, this is, again, more alien stuff, just like the doctor in Alien, a guy turning out to be a robot unexpectedly when he dies. Yeah, um, but uh, Dr. Mittenhand is kind of a, an homage to the fly. Uh, in fact, he says he, he wants to eat some flies. Yes. Um, as he's 
transforming more and more. Uh, the princess and Leppy are looking for the cargo bay, and they come across a uh, control panel, and he starts plugging some stuff into it. Um, and uh, it turns out that it's the ship's auto self-destruct uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, the auto self-destruct sequence that we've seen yeah. in that you've seen in every movie, and they only uh, this that- time. <laughs> Only this time, it's you know a voice comes on this, uh, the speakers and says, "Everyone has twenty minutes to abandon ship." Uh, twenty twenty minutes is <laughs> it's like, an odd, oddly chosen number. It's like, yeah. quick, grab your most cherished possessions, uh, grab your quick. photos, your jewelry, your yearbooks. Are yearbooks cherished possessions? No time uh, to discuss. We only have nineteen minutes and forty uh, seconds left. Only, only if you peaked in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah, grab you know, it's, it, grab your books, grab your computer, maybe grab wh- some books you haven't read yet. Watch, watch most of an episode of Seinfeld, and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, I left a bag of clothes that I wanted to donate to Goodwill by the front closet. Could you take those down to the skate pod before we leave? <laughs> I, will you come back up? I have some more from you. Do you like the sweater? I've never worn it, but I think I could pull it off with a little bit of confidence. Isn't there an office party coming up? I'd maybe like to wear it there. Oh God, we only have 19 minutes left. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm I'm getting rid of a couple of old ottomans that I'm not using anymore. Do you want to maybe put them in your escape pod because I feel like they would just really work really well with the French doors you've got up in there. Oh, by the way, only nine <laughs> minutes remaining until self-destruct sequence activates. Uh, everyone on the ship hears this, uh, and the crew start to bust their ass. Uh, but the <laughs> Leppy and, and the princess just stroll leisurely toward the cargo bay. Yep. Uh, Dr. Mitten Spider is very upset, um, and he starts to try to enter the deactivation codes. Yeah. Um, no no such get, luck. No such luck. We get to cargo bay. Uh, they... Uh, or not the, not cargo bay. They come across uh, Leprechaun and, and Princess come across uh, the escape ship, and yes. Leprechaun puts a force field over it, which I don't and know comes back into play. I think it's just a moment to extend the, the movie a little bit longer. Yeah, kind of, kind of, basically that. He he puts a force field over it, and then short they leave, and then shortly thereafter, okay, well, well, sticks and and books and. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks and books and Doctor Reeves name a more iconic trio. They uh, they they come into this room shortly thereafter. They see the thing yeah. is covered by the force field, and Reeves immediately recognizes it. He's like, you know, well, no, no. Books recognizes it. Reeves doesn't. Reeves, the doctor, goes, "What is it?" And books just immediately knows it's some kind of force field. Touch it, and we fry. Let's find that little bastard and try to cut a deal. So the mere the mere presence of this force field, books knows that it will kill them if they touch it, and it has yeah. made him decide that we're going to try negotiating with the monster for the second time. <laughs> now, Every- I think this is the fourth. time. Fourth time, fourth negotiation of the movie. Again, it really tracks with the cynical transactional nature of the movie Aliens. Um, (laughs) So they they continue to run, and we get a greatest hits of all the locations we've seen so far. Uh, We get the catwalk, we get the corridors, yeah, uh, yeah, and they get to the door that I'm sure is a a duplicate of the door that opened into the waste disposal unit, and they can't get through. Um, so they're going to go through the vents, but they need someone to get back to the control room to enter the deactivation codes. And so they send sticks out there, get out there, get, get back to the control room, find the, find the book, the red book that Harold had, um, and, uh, start entering in some deactivation codes. (laughs) Yes. And so he, he goes off to do that. And I Mm -hmm. immediately assume, okay, well, sticks is the black guy. He's going to die in the process of it. I just assume, okay, so much for yeah. sticks. It's amazing that he's lived this long. And yeah. um, 
Meanwhile, the leprechaun is, yeah, so he's he finds uh, that his gold has been shrunk down with the shrinky ray, and he's very mm-hmm. upset about this. And then he and the princess get to arguing, and so he winds up knocking her out because he's pissed off at her. Oh, no, but not before making her think she has horrible, like, boils all over her yeah, face. Yes, because she's, she's saying, I don't need you. I'm beautiful. I can have any man I want. And he's like, oh, really? Have you ever looked right here? And, like, touches right between her eyes. Uh, yeah. And she starts to go, what? What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> um. And then, so then after knocking her out, Books and Reeves burst in and they find him and there's another shootout. Uh, More negotiating (laughs) of like, hey, do you want to keep the gold and the princess? Just let us get out of here. Um, Styx, while trying to find the uh, Mm self-destruct, is approached by Mitten Spider, at which point I assume that he's going to die. But then in the next time we cut back to him, he is like bound up in some sort of web, still using this still like using the computer yeah. still trying to come up with with passwords it's pretty good and but it's a disgusting web it's not just spider web it's like mucus it's, meat web it's it's, gross. it's it's ooky it's like the consistency of scrambled <laughs> eggs it's pretty bad ooky is is a great word for it um <laughs> uh where where are we cuz there's a lot of cross cutting here um yeah okay, so and we me, don't need to yeah he can't find his gold. The princess now uh, has magical leprous spots on her face. She's upset um, and passes out after she looks yeah. in a mirror. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Books and uh, Dr. Reeves, they, they finally enter Cargo Bay. Yeah, they come yeah, across we, yeah, we, Lepi. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and there's the shootout with them. We, we don't, don't think, folks, that this was two times that they found him and did the shootout with him. That's oh, just, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, was yeah. me not listening. <laughs> Well, Landon, uh, what is your attention flagging after three hours of talking about Leprechaun Four? I, well, I have Leprechaun Four playing in the background. While we're oh, I see. This. So you, you know it better than okay. You do know it better than me at this point. Well, no, I'm just I'm I'm distracted by the glory that is uh, this <laughs> uh, futuristic DOS that he's entering the password codes into with with the wonderful font. Yes, wonderful uh, font. And yeah, so they're 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 in there. You know, books gets hit by one of the leprechauns' bullets, and his he mm-hmm. like sinks down to the ground, and of course immediately takes off his shirt to dress the wound, which I guess is <laughs> a little course. something for the ladies. We saw the the queen topless. We got to show the marine topless, and. <laughs> Then uh, Reeves tries to sneak around and get the drop on the leprechaun, but she's out of ammo, so instead she uses what she thinks is the shrinking ray to try and shrink the leprechaun, but instead it's the blow-uppy ray, and it makes him huge! (laughs) It's the same ray, it just has two switches on it. One shrinks, one enlarges it. Uh, So it just... um, Because he... Leprechaun was, you know, he was pissed that they shrunk his gold down, so he was getting ready to to re-enlarge it. And so it was set to enlarge. So when she goes to the machine, it already being set to enlarge, it enlarges Leprechaun, uh, which not to deflate the glory of that moment. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, not not to not to ruin it with a whole bunch of uh, explanation of the logistics behind it. Um, but <laughs> we get yeah. we get an enlarge ray hitting <laughs> hitting Leppy, and he grows to not normal size, not five feet, not ten feet, not. 15 feet, I think he gets to about 25 feet tall. The attack of the 25-foot leprechaun. And look, and again, uh, this movie doing things kind of right. The whole movie, <laughs> the leprechaun's been little, and now the leprechaun's huge in the, in the final fight. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, I'm huge. I'm magnificent. All right. Big is good. <laughs> and he looks 
inside his trousers. Uh, yes, yes. Cl- always, always a classy moment. And <laughs> so uh, there's some innovative use of forced perspective to make the leprechaun look huge. And they actually, uh, they actually created a miniature set for him. Oh, okay. I mean, I was noticing, like, as this was happening, I was like, wow, this is, they built tiny stuff and put it around. Like, again, this is really creative. I really respect yeah. the way they're doing this. Absolutely. Uh, Book sends Dr. C uh, back, or <laughs> Dr. Reeves, uh, back through the vents to go help Sticks uh, while he distracts Lepi. Uh, he shoots him, but being 25 feet tall, the bullets have no effect on him. Nope, nope. And uh, Reeves is going trying. Then Reeves goes off and tries to find uh, 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 sticks to help him out with the codes. She's going through the uh, she's going through the vents, and Mitten Spider attacks her and conveniently rips her pants off. But okay, <laughs> go with it, I guess. And then uh, then she eventually, uh, very sweaty and pantsless, Reeves gets to the to the main deck and finds Mitten Spider looming over Reeves, and Mitten Spider is chasing her around, trying to stab her with his bladed tail. And then yep. she uh, uh, apparently she, maybe maybe Leprechaun's uh, walking stick got mixed up in that blender as well, because it's the same exact blade that comes yeah. out of his uh, stinging tail. Uh, yeah, uh, I also think, uh, yeah yeah self destruct in seven minutes. Oh, of course, lest we forget. Oh, Bill! <laughs> oh, make clock. sure to make sure to water my house plants on uh, on your way out to uh, to the uh, escape rafts because there are only six minutes. Uh, uh, Doctor Reeves grabs uh, some. There's a, like a tank conveniently of mm-hmm. liquid nitrogen nearby, which she sprays all over Doctor Mittenhand to freeze him, and then yep. shoots him to explode him like in Terminator Two. So this is really checking all the James Cameron boxes, except for maybe <laughs> Titanic. And he's he before he explodes, uh, he, he has this like I don't know why his voice gets so high pitched, but he he kind of sounds like the Tin Man in uh, Wizard of Oz. Maybe that's what it was. I'm just putting that together now. Holy shit! Oh, what that he's that that his bit is like that he's Wizard of Oz, like that that's the that's the password? well. He says he's like Wizard of Oz, and then in this moment when he's frozen and he can't move, he's like, "Help me!" And I, I just like I think the, that's the, the Tin fly, Man, but. Yeah. No, in the in in the beginning of <laughs> when oil they come can, across yeah. the the Tin Man oil can oil. I think that's what they're going for here. It could be. It could be. I really think. <laughs> I really think it that it's matter. the fly. Yeah. I also think that it doesn't matter. But I think it's the fly. But either way, we can. <laughs> okay. You know, you're a little right. I'm a little right. We could both be right. <laughs> or we're just completely. Everything about this is wrong. Um, back in the cargo bay, the princess awakens. Books rushes to her. Uh, she's drunk, apparently. Uh, that's the yeah. effect that this whole ordeal has had on her. I, um, I believe it. I, I sympathize with her right now. <laughs> but uh, Lepi hears them and chases after them. Uh, and the uh, Dr. Reeves, um, wait, what is happening? I don't know. Well, I, I mean, Dr. Reeves is trying to... Uh, uh, Dr. Reeves is trying to get the get the password in at that point. I think she's trying to help uh yeah. him out with the password. Uh Yeah, and then and then oh no, and then uh, Reeves is able to open one of the cargo bay doors oh, that's so right. that okay, yeah. so that yeah, they're missed, able to escape. I missed a note in my my uh my notes uh saying that he gets her over the comms saying, "Hey, you need to open up cargo bay." Uh, the door to Cargo Bay blind. She's like, "Are you yeah. sure you want me to do that? Everyone will be, you know, swept out to space." He's like, "Just do it," and uh, you know, he unlocks the door to save himself and the princess just as 
Um, she opens the cargo bay doors, and Leprechaun gets swept out to um, space. Space, just like <laughs> just like in just like in Aliens, and uh, so then you know he gets he gets sucked out into space and is and then explodes explosively decompresses which is a good bit of realism that happens to you if you get sucked into space um <laughs> she, you you expand and contract very digitally <laughs> yeah you and and but your individual body parts still retain control and can make rude gestures <laughs> if need be uh and then so the queen or the princess sees this happen and just goes the king is dead Long live the queen. But it's like, no, your your dad is the king. You never married the leprechaun. This changes nothing. No, like everything is the same as it was when you started. That this nothing has changed. Uh, and up on the bridge, they're still looking for passwords to try and stop mm-hmm. the self destruct sequence. And, and 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 six now free from the the meat web has not removed the meat from him. He's no longer stuck, but he he still decides I'm gonna do the rest of the scene with meat on me. He he likes the look. It, it brings out his eyes, you know. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, book books rushes in at this point to try to help them, and his version of help is just scream at her more saying get it get the code figure out the code you can do it you can do it there's 30 seconds left and it's and it's like no you can do it you can do it just think just think and then <laughs> what did he, what did he think of himself as a genius no fuck a brilliant scientist nope yeah, that's try that scientist <laughs> like the password for the scientist's computer would be scientist well um, i don't know the real one isn't any better uh, yeah because books and six both look at each other and go wizard, wizard! <laughs> and so they type in wizard in this amazingly in, hilariously bad papyrus type font it's it's a comic sans font <laughs> oh god <laughs> and they enter the password uh on the screen right at three two one detonation has been canceled have a nice day thank and, you balls. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they all they all celebrate and books and reeves start making out and reeves just tosses off a completely ad-libbed line okay i guess i don't get none and <laughs> then they look out the window and they see the floating chunks of the leprechaun floating around yep and okay well, what was what is the exact line um i didn't know oh. <laughs> What is the exact? I don't know what he says before we see the floating hand go by the window uh, that turns into a middle finger that flicks off the three of them for surviving the ordeal. Uh, But then he says, same to you, pal. I I think that before that, like one of them says like, you know, he oh, he lost his head out there or something. And then she says she says something like, yeah, try not to go to pieces. So just like two weak variations on the same (laughs) same mediocre joke. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, the one of the last shots of this film, hashtag one perfect shot is just uh, the disembodied (laughs) leprechaun's hand flipping off the three of them. And all three of them hug. Sticks, the black guy, lived all the way to the end of the movie. I think a nod to George Romero, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, you know, in-your-face well, racist Hollywood. Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't know when the last time you saw Night of the Living Dead was. But, okay, okay, I get, uh, I get, no the, I get the, for that. Like the very last shot, sure. But I mean, still, it was revolutionary at the time. They, But they all hug. Last words we hear are, now you're a Marine. And then, credits. <laughs> and they were best friends. Credits. Forever. 
forever. Uh, and I don't think Styx, even even after this, decided to get rid of that meat that's hanging all over him. No, <laughs> nope. He wore it into New York Fashion Week. He wore it as best man at their wedding, at their <laughs> space wedding. Space um, best man at their space wedding. Okay, few things. I know we're we're at the end of the movie. Hurrah! We all made it. Hurrah! We uh, survived. I, that I just want to touch on before we end this because I'm never going to have another chance to. A, of course. Yes, uh, if you watch this movie, which Truman, you did, and you're going to be the catalyst for our listeners. If you're wondering, hey, did they cast the actor uh, that played books because he looked like Stallone? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, uh, at his audition, apparently he did a Stallone impression, and Brian Trenchard Smith wanted him to do it. <laughs> During the movie, or no, the guy, the actor who was playing books wanted to do it during the movie, and Brian Churchard Smith said no, but then after the movie was over said, I wish he had done it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have, I mean, like what, the, the movie wasn't taking itself seriously anyway, I don't know no. what else that would have done. As I said earlier, I, I don't think you can fit enough into this movie. <laughs> it is an infinite bag uh, that you can just throw anything you want to in it, and it would work. Yeah, uh, work as far as Leprechaun for in space works. Yes, um, <laughs> this movie has its uh, own definition of working. Lastly, I want to just uh, we we graze over it uh, for the sake of uh, uh, brevity. The Doctor Mitten Spider effects grow immensely uh, over the 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 sequences in which he appears at the end here. Yeah, and it is truly like uh, a mark of really really amazing craftsmanship uh for special effects and creature effects and makeup effects um i i thoroughly enjoy it i think it's one of the hallmarks of the movie no it's really it is one of the most impressive parts of the movie that a movie that is so low budget in so many other regards yes. can have some practical effects that work so well it re- it's kind of like <laughs> in the bigfoot movie we watched how there was unexpectedly a really good, well-shot yes. car chase at the end of it. it. It's great when a bad movie succeeds really well in one <laughs> technical area. And I'll say that uh, the crew that worked on it is called Atlantic West. Now, I don't know if any of the people specifically that worked on it uh, went on to do this, but at least the company, Atlantic West, went on to do films such as The Shape of Water. <laughs> oh, well, okay. okay. How about that? There, you know, no, there's an- your attention. There's a, there's another there's another movie there where Dr. Reeves falls in love with the monster mitten hand and we learn some really beautiful <laughs> lessons about uh, our shared humanity. <clears throat> and lastly, I want to talk about uh, Dr. Reeves, played by Jessica Collins. I'm not going to go into her filmography except to say she's the only person on this movie who has won an Emmy. What? <laughs> she has she won a daytime Emmy for um uh, her stint on, uh, I want to say it was Days of Our Lives. She she was on a long running um, uh, soap opera. So uh, yeah, wow, that's There's well, that. I I mean I <laughs> the young and the restless. That's that that meant you know what the level of acting that we were seeing that basically tracks. I am not totally <laughs> surprised by that. With all due respect to her and her Emmy that mm-hmm. she won. Apparently, she also has a, a recurring role on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She's been in three uh, episodes as Jackie DiNardo. Well, hey, look, that is. it's Patty's Irish Pub. <laughs> Irish Pub. 
if any sitcom were to do a crossover with Leprechaun, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would 100% work. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is kind of the Leprechaun of sitcoms, I think. It (laughs) really, they they have the same energy. I think that if (laughs) the next hood that the Leprechaun goes to should be the hood where Patty's is. Um, Okay, lastly, uh, I I think I've said that three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on our third last thing. Okay, cinematographer. Uh, was the cinematographer who did UHF and, yes, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, so, okay, okay. If, if that is uh, illuminating at all, there you go. Um, okay, let's end this episode. What do you say? I, I say, I say, let's recap the movie one more time, just for the hell okay, of it. Okay, here we go. I mean, oh, I right. just don't want it to end. <laughs> so, okay, so we start with the Lionsgate logo. Uh, yes, bit over. Let's end. Bit okay. So uh, thank you guys for listening and indulging in thank you. Uh, us doing this. You don't actually <laughs> have to listen to these episodes if you don't want to. So you know, uh, wait wait till next week. Don't, don't um, tell them that. Don't 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 let them know that that's an option. That's we're gonna get no no more listeners. <laughs> well, they can just skip ahead to the the home improvement episodes, which brings me to our post sample to say uh, your reward for indulging us in this movie is we are going back to a weekly podcast for the second half of season six. So you don't have to wait two weeks to get your home improvement fix. We are going to give you a lot more of what you're asking for. Yep. Yep. You know, we it, it's a compromise. We did the thing you didn't want, but now we'll give you more of the thing that you want more frequently. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. That, I think, is it. We are going to be coming back from uh, break on June, uh, whatever the... Well, uh, this airs on the 17th, so whatever one week after that is, yep. I don't have my calendar in front of me. <laughs> no, uh, not calendars. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you don't have calendars. We will be back on June 24th with season six, so uh, that's all. Grunt yeah. Work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode, or if you don't ever want us to do this again, you can pay us. <laughs> yeah, to, give, us, give us gold. Gold is power. To, to, to create or destroy the show by becoming an official Gruntnet sponsor over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating or review unless it's a bad review uh, on Apple Podcasts because it's the fastest, easiest way to support us and it really goes a long way to help others find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Where you can also see information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next time, when we bring you an actual real-life episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. And I've been Truman Caps. And remember, simplify, do or die, kill, kill, kill. In space. 